It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Rouché. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. Oh, we're supposed to start the show? Sure. I'm just... I'm still in the middle of the weekend. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Now, my weekend didn't end until yesterday. I got back yesterday, so as far as I'm concerned, Monday was a part of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Net Live. Kevin Barnett, Jeremy Roche sitting in the home court. And we are coming off of a pretty amazing weekend of volleyball. And we have a fantastic show planned for you today. It's going to be a great show. If it's not a great show, well, it's the guest's fault. And here's who those guests are. We're going to have Casey Jennings. Yep. Once upon a time, a great volleyball player. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Sunday, again, a great volleyball player. Maybe he never lost it. Maybe we just lost sight of him. We'll have Casey Jennings in here coming off of his Manhattan Beach Open victory. And his partner, Matt Furbringer, will in fact join us later because... Matt Furbringer, he's got a full-time job. Yeah, beach volleyball was, was his part-time job. Yeah, the you know, he's just moonlighting, just mm-hmm. go out there on the weekends. For all you weekend warriors, Matt Furbringer is the ultimate weekend warrior hero <laughs> because he coaches full-time, he travels with the national team full-time, he's in the gym, he's doing paperwork, he's not hitting the weights, and all of a sudden he's just going to go out one weekend and, nah, win Wimbledon, just, whatever. Just go win the Manhattan Beach Open, yeah. just because I can. Just a little thing called the Manhattan Beach Open. Mm-hmm. We'll also be waiting on another guest who's going to be coming out of practice there in Anaheim. Nicole Davis will finally join us. She was a part of that infamous Vivaldi program, or supposed to be part of the infamous Vivaldi program, where all of a sudden we were preempted by classical music. And so I forgot that she was scheduled that day. It was Nicole Davis and Hugh McCutcheon. We will get Hugh McCutcheon uh, back eventually as well. You know why, Kevin? Because... You scheduled all indoor stuff for a massive beach volleyball weekend, and mm-hmm. then the NetLive uh, Block Talk Radio decided that that was a foolish mistake, and we're just going to kick you off. Hey, we had a, t- a gold medal winning coach, silver I'm medal winning saying. coach, a two-time silver medalist, three-time Grand Prix gold. These are quality people. I agree. Listen, universe, I'm tired of you favoring beach. I'm sick of it. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> and we just lost half our listeners. Oh, man. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm still trying to find our episode here. And uh, we got chat board open? Chat board's open, homie. Chat board's open? i got to find us live here. I'm doing my job. We are. Where's your, what, 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 doing your job. I don't know. i got the computer all messed up here. i to go to try and go to the page or whatever. But So, yeah, an amazing weekend of volleyball action. I was actually in Denver to do the FIVB volleyball that did not include the American side. So and and really what was surprising to me, and I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago when Fatma and Sweat won their their medal on the FIVP, mm-hmm. their bronze. Mm-hmm. But that was only the second medal won by a US women's team this year. Yeah, it doesn't that doesn't sound right. And when you look at the tournament, the highest ranked team is like eleventh or fourteenth or something. Of that tournament. For that tournament. There are leading, lots of upsets. No, no, I mean no, for the women I'm talking about for the the USA women, the highest ranked USA women's team I want to say they're outside the top ten. I'd go back and look at it, but they're pretty far down. Jane Naples are outside rank. the top ten. I think so. Wow. Well, I go, let's look that up. Yeah, we gotta look that up. But but in looking at it, hold on. It's gonna take me thirty minutes to find the FIVB website. <laughs> yeah, 
But in looking at the women, the, the women not being there was not as big an effect as the men not being there because two of the top five teams weren't on tour. Correct. So you had a lot of room to give there on the men's side of the tour, and, and we had some teams take advantage of it. We had an Austrian team, uh, Horst, and uh, the other guy's name who I can't remember because it was almost impossible to say, Patuchnig, <laughs> Patuchnig, I think, because he's a 20-year-old who pretty much hadn't played because Horst normally plays with Doppler, Clemens Doppler, actually two former teammates of mine in Austria oh, nice. when they were like 16 and 20. Lovely. And now Horst is 30 and playing on tour, but he normally plays with Doppler. He played with this 20-year-old kid, picked mm-hmm. him up, and took him to the semis and the bronze. Uh, did not win the bronze, but took him to the bronze medal match. So definitely the lack of United States players had an effect on the FIVB tournament that For I sure. was doing, which made me have to do a little more research. Thanks a lot. Cause <laughs> they had to earn your paycheck. Finally. Nobody knew who those guys were. <laughs> finally. You know, if it was Phil and Rosie... Now, I could do Phil and Rosie with my eyes closed a little bit. I look up a few stats and stuff, but I pretty well know. Mm-hmm. This one I had to, had to work a little more. So it was the announcer shuffle. Lovely. This past week. It's it like, was. It's, there's like five announcers in the world of volleyball, and they just go round and round. And I didn't understand. It, it took Dane and put him on AVP. Yep. So then Dane was not doing FIVB, so I flew out to do FIVB. Gotcha. And Marlo was there, and then they, of course, brought Geeter back to do AVP. Out of retirement. Out of retirement to do the AVP event. And uh, for those that watched it on TV, fortunately for me, I was in Denver, so I could watch it. Or there's not a CBS blackout? Yeah. We're on a Time Warner cable fighting with CBS, which, by the way, you know why that's happening? Uh, money? CBS gets 80 cents a subscriber right now from Time Warner cable. For every subscriber that gets CBS through Time Warner, CBS gets 80 cents, I think it's a month. From each subscriber? Each subscriber. That's a lot of dough. Well... Think about ESPN, which is like three and a half dollars or something. Yeah. It's crazy. They're the highest one, but but they're also paid cable. CBS is it's just free. CBS. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what CBS wants? Ten. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Two dollars from eighty. From eighty cents to two dollars. I want that kind of raise. Yeah, I want that kind of raise too. Oh, by the way, two and a half times. Yeah, Time Warner. Good job holding the uh, holding the line, the line here because that's that's you can't do that. You can't go. That much higher. It's just not going to work. But anyway, on the TV, I did get to watch it. I had an opportunity to see it in Denver. You saw both men's and women's? I saw both men's and women's. I lost the men's off the end. Because Little League World Series? Because the Little League World Series. <laughs> and I texted Geeter because I was at my aunt and uncle's. I wanted to turn it on. Yeah. I was going out that night, so I didn't see it until the next morning. But I wanted to turn it on. And I yeah. turned it on. And we're like, Little League. So I texted Geeter, I'm like, way to get preempted by Little League. I know. It's 7 nothing, by the way, and you're still not on. People text me, how come it's not on yet? And I'm like, I'm at the event. I have no idea why we're not on TV yet. Don't ask me. I, I don't know. I'm, work, I'm at the event. I'm not at home. I, I don't stop. Yeah, stop. How about just stop? It was 7 nothing. It was like a blowout. So it wasn't like even like the 15th inning or something like that. Just no. No. Terrible. That happens. Yeah. So... So we finally got on. They finally end up on the air, and I, I missed the end. But I did see uh, all of the women's and most of the men's. I saw up until the very last couple of points uh, of the second set. I missed the third set, the 15-12 eventual victory. Yep. But I, I did a few things uh, about the TV. People were complaining about the weather and the fact that... Who was complaining? Geeter and Dane were talking about? Well, no. It, I saw it on Twitter, too. Uh, people just saying, oh, you know, the weather's not great, and people that I knew down here, oh, the weather's not great at the beach. But from a television perspective, 
it looked really cool. The, the way the lighting was coming in, it looked neat because it was those really high kind of flat clouds, and the sun kind of peaked out a couple of times. Yep. And I, I thought for the television, I thought it just set kind of an unusual uh, bit of lighting. And I thought people that are watching in the Midwest, they're not bothered by it. They're going, oh, that looks pretty neat. You know who was bothered by it? Who? Me. Why? Because I'm elevated off the sand, and it was easily 10 degrees cooler in the DJ booth than it was anywhere else. <laughs> I had a jacket on the entire weekend, Kevin. Did you really? Yes. Huh? But I wasn't siding out. Like, the players, like, I didn't hear them complaining. Like, oh, it's not, it's not like it's cold. It was still probably in the 60s. We're in Southern California. But, yes, there they was no sun. 78. Let me explain something to you. When I left my house Sunday morning to drive down there, the marine layer was so thick, my windshield wipers were on the entire way from my house to Manhattan Beach. And there was a comment from one of the players about how cold it was in the morning. Yeah, but, uh, well, that's Southern California. But that temperature in the afternoon, the afternoon temperature for the finals, as a player, I think it was perfect. Your, um, your feet aren't getting heated up. You're yeah. not getting totally destroyed in the sun. You're not worrying about sunblock so much. The sand's not sticking to you quite as much. You're still getting a good sweat going. I think that's ideal playing condition. Oh, yeah. Um, you know who... Could tell us more about it. It's Chris Geeter McGee, who's on the line right now. Chris McGee, announcer extraordinaire. Was he making a PB and J? He's got to get. He's got to get the little ones, Luca and Millie, out for lunch, out for breakfast. Where is he? He's there. We call. I heard him. Yeah, I heard him shuffling around. Hi guys. Hi hey, Chris. Hey, there he is. Hi. How are you? We're we're well. How was the event? Just I didn't realize there was a show on Tuesday. You told me it was canceled, Barney, but I don't know what's going on. No, there was no show Monday because I was coming back from Denver doing FIVB. You know, being doing my best Dane uh, Blanton Im- imitation. So I was I was hitting the weights man, before our, I went. Uh, our chemistry sure is off on this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, since I was left out of the collage, I'm uh, happy, oh, happy, oh, happy to come on today. Oh, <laughs> man. So bitter. Don't be so bitter. We love you. You still had like a, fl- a whole Fletch drawing. It wasn't. It was a, a caricature. It was better. There was only one chin. Um, I'll tell you. Uh, I'm sure you guys were just talking about the Manhattan Open, correct? correct. Absolutely. Would you like my take? <laughs> I, first of all, I'd like to know: Can we get you some polos? Can we get you out of the gay V-neck blue T-shirts? Uh, tell the guy in your. I'm on your little uh, chat room now. I'm not logged in, but I, I don't work for Fox Sports anymore. <laughs> That's true. Time warning. Mean, guy's got a clue in here. Um, I tell you, that was an, an amazing uh, run for Furbringer and, and Jennings. I, I, I was trying to think over my career, at least, or uh, as a fan or an announcer. I announced for what 14 years or so, and then was a fan for years before that. I can't think of a better story. I mean, as I was telling Furby that night, uh, when I was screaming in his face, I thought it was that um, he, he's like the, the real live Monroe Clark, except a better athlete. I mean, he gets the movie side out, but, 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 but for real. Um, I mean, the guy was just fantastic. Uh, if, to come out of retirement, not play for a year, train once versus Prosser and McKinsey, his brother-in-law, on a Sunday, with Casey the following weekend, play with some qualifier guys because Casey was in Salt Lake City, and then play against Prosser and Walkfogel, and then come out and 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 win was just, you know, the the best tournament we have is is is, is pretty pretty remarkable. Uh, he and I talked again today. I think the big thing for him was it, things just really went their way. I mean that there was no sun 
until as Barney said it peaked out during the finals was huge for Furby. Remember, it, it was hot all week leading up to the Manhattan, yeah, right. and then it was cloudy the entire time. That was really big for Furbs. And, and I think there's something to be said about, you know, it's funny. Someone said to me yesterday, well, he's playing with no pressure. And I actually asked him that before the finals when I was getting ready um, for, um, for, 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 for to do the play-by-play. I was just, you know, interviewing the players and going in the tent and stuff. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just talking. And, and I was like, so Furbs, talk to me about the mindset you know, uh, you know, less pressure and stuff. And he goes, well, let's be honest. He's like, I'm still feeling pressure. Like when it was 14-12 in the quarterfinals against Rosie and Phil and they're serving me, there's pressure. He said, but I'm letting it go differently and attacking it differently. And I thought that was really a cool thing that kids can learn and other athletes can learn. Obviously, it's not his livelihood anymore. So he lets the little things go maybe um, better. Indifferently, I, I think there was a huge play in the match, um, game two, eighteen, eighteen, uh, where they it's looking like they're going to win in two. They've dominated, and, mm-hmm. and all all Casey's got to do is set Furby, and, and he tries to bump it. Yeah, I didn't like that play at all, and it went wide. Well, Casey at that time was not happy about it, but either was you know Furby looked at him and was like, "Man, you did this to me in Dallas, basically." You know, seven <laughs> heart yelled at you. You know, I mean, he was like, what, what, what are you doing? And, and he goes, time out. And, and Casey said, no, 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 let's just side out. And Furby went back to side out and looked and goes, time out. And Matt might not have done that a few years back when mm. they were playing together. He called the time out. They went and sat down. And Furby said, hey, we're going to let that go. We're all good. And, but I just want to let it go for a minute and sit down. And Casey accepted that. But Casey coming into the box and looking at Scotty Lane and Furby and saying, guys, we're winning this game. I'm not, you know, we're going to win this match. I'm not going to have a Chris Webber moment. I think speaks to their uh, relationship and how much fun they were having. Casey was able to say that and, and, and mean it is, is, is really cool. Now they eventually lost that game as we all saw, but ended up winning the third. So it, you know, just everything aligning, man, it just, I, I don't want to overrate it, but I don't think you can. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that it should be the main story in all the volleyball magazines next month. I mean, this is the Manhattan Open, and this guy came out of retirement and played with one of his best friends who played with for years but hadn't played since 2009, and now they're they're on the pier forever. I mean, talk about a walk-off home run. This is the ultimate walk-off. Yeah, I think that it is an amazing story and definitely cover-worthy for Volleyball Mag, for Dig, and for anyone else who's run anything associated with volleyball. What I wondered with Furbringer, and we'll ask him this later when he comes on the show, is the national team environment and in coaching, how much of his mental approach to the game has been altered by the way he's been forced to think about the game as a coach, both at UCLA last season for the men and now with the national team. That cognition of of not only the, the physical side of things but the mental side yeah. of things I think I think it changes you as a player and as a person, and I think you see that. And as long as Ferbs could cope with the physical side, as you pointed out, the fact there was no sun was huge because uh, he hadn't been training. Then the mental side really would give him an edge. I, I think you hit it absolutely on, on the head, Barney, and, and there's no question about it. And, and, and I think everyone who's ever played uh, at a decently high level, whether it's high school, college, or whatever, and then becomes a coach and then later plays, you're actually, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I was never a great indoor player, but I know after I became a coach and then I would play later in life, I, I, I was always better. I might not have been physically yeah. better, but way better mentally, way smarter. And I saw Furby making moves 
And he was just doing great things. Sometimes he would show early and make them do something and make Rosie go another way. Sometimes he would fake block and Rosie would hit it right to Casey. Other times he would make great quick moves with his feet, his hands, and roof balls. I mean, he was as good as I've ever seen him. And Dave McKenzie, his brother-in-law, who's now you know, always with the national team, so they're together every day and stuff, was saying that for sure, you know, it's helped Matt, his coaching and all that stuff. It's helped his play. He noticed it when, when, when he trained against him. And, 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 you know, Rosie is funny. Rosie said, you know, to Furby after that match, and I, it's just, is Furby calling in later? He, and when I talked to him this morning, he said he thought he, thought he might be calling in. Yeah, he he does. You guys can ask him about this. But, but Rosie, you know, said to him, man, like, are you playing again? And was like, no. And he's like, good. Cause I'm going to tell you, like, I hate playing against you. Like, Furby <laughs> knows he's a great – he never got credit for being a Phil, maybe even a Jake blocking, but or Lambo, I, sh- I should say. But Furby's a great blocker. Yep. He's a great blocker. He might not be dominant like Phil and get six, seven stuff, but he knows how to block. He technically knows how to block. He knows he, he's a thinker. Um, and, you know, and, you know, there's a lot in Jay Rochet. There's a lot that goes into block. It's not easy. It looks so easy. Yeah, the hardest skill. Kevin, it's the hardest skill for sure. <laughs> Kevin still thinks he can so do it against anybody. It. It's so easy to talk about it, <laughs> but it is not easy. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's the best I've ever seen a block, guys. He was, uh, he had Rosie thinking, man. For, for the, I, I watched both those matches start to finish, the quarters and the finals, and I'll tell you, he, 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 he had them on the ropes, man. What I uh, I ran into Sky Lane yesterday at the gym. We were talking about that play where Casey bumped it over, and I immediately looked at both of their faces to see their reaction. And they both kind of, I mean, yeah, they were frustrated, but they both kind of smiled. And I was like, that's the difference right there. Like before, they both could have turned their backs to each other so you couldn't see the frustration on their face. But they both were like, okay, yeah. that was dumb. I'm, I won't do that again. Let's let's just go out here inside out. But I was also talking to Scotty about their transition game seemed to be on point. There weren't really any bad sets from Casey or Matt, and especially in the transition game, too. Like, somebody would dig a good ball, and I'm like, okay, this could be an offset, and they'd get a great set out of it, and I felt like that was the big difference in the match. You know, you know what was amazing is that Rosie, or pardon me, uh, Casey was reading Rosie like a book. Oh, yeah. He was everywhere Rosie hit the ball. If Rosie, and then Rosie made a lot of errors. I thought he just was struggling mentally. He was hitting the ball in the net, hitting the ball long, hitting the ball wide. It was it was one of the roughest games I've seen out of Sean Rosenthal in a long time. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I think you guys hit, hit on great points. And, J-Ro, I, there was a point where I said to Dane, and I might not have said it on the air. I might have said it off camera, and I said it to Furby for sure that night and Casey. I was like, when did you guys become the best transition setting team in the world? Like, that was not always your strength. Like, all of a sudden, like, falling backwards bump sets from Furby were just money. Right. I, I mean, it was really everything in line. And, and, and I agree, man. Casey, I don't think the stat was 23 digs in the final. Um, Crazy. His, just his defense just absolutely out of control. I mean, it was just, he's so good back there. And, um, you know, I, I, I give the guy a lot of credit. Yeah, he's a dear friend. I, 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 I know he plays that chip on his shoulder, and I know he rubs people the wrong way, and, 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 and believe me, I get it. Um, and, and he knows it. It's also what, what makes him great, that passion. But you have to give credit where credit is due in terms of his ability to keep training, persevere, the adversity, all that stuff of not having partners from time to time, losing partners, 
always being that odd man out kind of guy and, and still believing that he was going to win the Manhattan Open, still believing he's going to the Olympics. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes a professional athlete what he is, an undersized guy and that's played with a chip on his shoulder his entire life. And, you know, you have to give credit that, that he had the belief in saying, hey, I want to roll with Furby. And Kerry said it on our broadcast, Barney, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but yeah. she at first was kind of like, Ugh, you're playing really well, honey. Sure, you want to play with Malik? He hasn't played. <laughs> right? Yeah, she did say that he he had so, talked her into yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and Casey says, "Yeah, I'm going with Furby. We're going to do this." Like the guy just has this belief that you have to respect and you have to admire, whether you love him or not. I tell you what, if you told me that Matt Furbringer was going to come out of not playing for a while and and play very well on day one, I would say, okay, that's possible because I've done that before too where you come back after a long sure. layoff, you think yeah. you're going to be rusty, but you actually play really, really well. Good. Yeah. Everything flows. Yeah. No the, the thing that was, real, I think, totally surprising is that both from a physical standpoint but also from an execution standpoint and, and, and mental side, first played great the second day as well. I think that's the more surprising section because I've gone to practice one day and been awesome and been like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can just slip right back in. Come to practice the next day, I'm like, what the hell just happened? I saw Furby Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw Furby Sunday morning, and I asked him, I was like, hey, how how you feeling this morning? And it was almost like he had a surprised look on his face, like, oh, I feel great. Because that was my concern, too. I was like, okay, you know, one day you get through, the next day, okay, how are you going to feel? He does not feel good today. He, he did not feel good yesterday. For either. sure. But he looked at me with a look on his face like he was even surprised at how good he felt Sunday morning. This was before his first match. Yeah. He was like, I feel great. And he, I believe the words that came out of his yeah, mouth. It, it, it's the second day that gets you lots of time. After the, especially after the rage on Sunday night. There's no way he felt good yesterday. <laughs> the, the thing that – I think, Barney, you hit it right on the head there. It's like – the thing that's miraculous about this, not to use a, a word that's overplayed usually, but it was a small miracle in terms of sports-wise to, to see what happened. But he he got served. Yeah, right. Yep. He had to float and go the whole time. He had to block for two straight days. He played seven matches. Like, I, I totally agree. Sometimes you play good that first time back. But like you said, you're, you might be miserable the next day. This guy just kind of kept going and it's and he's not even in shape like he used to be i mean it's and i told a story on the broadcast that he you know i remember when they kind of talked about it i remember casey kind of saying uh gee i think i'm gonna roll with furby and i was like it was around six man time and i was kind of like yeah whatever didn't really even think much about it we did drop team fletch into the broadcast yeah exactly drink oh yeah for sure right i mean it was not even a question i was going nuts with that but but Furby said it was after the six man that he actually told Casey, I think I can give you something. Yeah, you told that story. I mean, yeah, you said that I don't think he meant your name on the pier. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I wonder, your comment earlier about Furby not getting respect as a blocker, is any of that have to do with his physique and the fact that Furby is not you the know, biggest guy, he's not the thickest guy, he doesn't have the longest arms, he's got kind of this weird chest looking he's just not the most normal looking dude weird chest looking you didn't even well, know where to go from there like that was it <laughs> well yeah, if, you, if you look at Furby's well, physique it's not like a Lambert it's not a it's not a Phil it's not it's 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 his own thing and it, does that have anything to do with people not looking at him as a great blocker yeah yeah I, I, I think you're right and it's such a fair question and 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 he's always been a great blocker and I think all the players know he's a great blocker. I just don't see he's gotten credit like a Lambo and a Phil because maybe he hasn't been like, as you said, so physically gnarly. 
You know, like those yeah. guys would absolutely roof and take over and have four in one game. And Furby's always been great, but but I don't know if he got credit for being what he was and what he showed in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, simply amazing, uh, absolutely. And, and how about the day for the Furbringer Jennings household? Or, pardon me, uh, Jennings Walsh household. Like the fact that they not bad, huh? They win both, and uh, and and take take the pier, take the pier by storm for uh, for Walsh Jennings. It's just crazy. Um, I've got a little echo. Sorry. Yeah, we're we're getting a little bit. I guess we're trying to solve this problem, but it keeps happening. It's funny how it's a random thing now. I think going to Carrie for just a second. The uh, the way yeah. that she played. The, first of all, she's in way better shape than she was just a few weeks ago. I think she's getting in better and yep. better shape. But one of the most impressive things to me about Carrie is when she's dropping off the net, the number of plays that she makes as she drops off the net as players try and hit at her or hit a shot around her. That's, to me, one of the, the least talked about aspects of her game is her ability to pick up balls when she's in that almost uh, no man's land of kind of not, not quite blocking, not quite all the way back to defense. She stabs some balls up and makes some really nice plays. I thought that was really one of the yeah, differences I, I, in that I, match. Her, her her ball control in, in defense in terms of dropping off the net was uh, was really impressive. And it, what's funny, Barney, she's not even close to where she's going to be. Uh, and that's what just amazes me about her. It's just like she and Misty, you know. It's like as that tournament went on in London, and we've talked about it a million times, they just got better and better. And, and uh, you know, we, we're never going to be at her level, so it's hard for people to understand. But when you're around people like a, a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, you always hear those legendary stories about, you know, how gnarly they were when it came to their training or how, you, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, um, have to wear this same pants when you work out, whatever those weirdnesses that you have when you're that great, you know, the way you pin up material and, you know, Jordan's speech to the Hall of Fame, how, how he, you know, everyone who ever slighted him, he remembered. Whatever it is that drives those people, it, it, you know, carries the same way. She's in that same mold. I don't know how else to explain it. She wants to win. She wants to be the greatest, and she just wants to keep going. It's what she knows. And it's just, it's it's unbelievable, man. Like, she wanted that sixth Manhattan Open with Whitney Pavlik. Like, it was the first one with Misty. I could see it in her. And, and, and she's like, I hadn't won in so long. Dude, London was a year ago. She had yeah. a baby. I mean, she's acting like she's on a five-year drought. You know, I mean, it's it's really yeah. incredible. Yeah, it, it, I haven't wanted so, so long. And, I, 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 and real quick, Barney, I'm starting to think. I'm watching her, and I'm going, "My God, her and April are going to be right there in Rio, aren't they?" Yeah, assuming she can stay healthy. I I just get worried about the age oh. and about the wear and tear, and and hopefully she makes it. Uh, certainly, from a playing standpoint, if that partnership develops, then it can. Uh, the way it can, then they will be. They will be right there. Uh, they will be a force. And uh, you have to believe that the the mental side of the game for Carrie is huge. It's uh, it, the way that she can approach the game and, and play with such ease. Uh, I mean, you just you don't get that unless you've had the experience that Carrie has had. Yeah, there's no question about it. And uh, how, how cool for shooting Casey to win on the same day. I think that was pretty pretty remarkable and uh you know, you just gotta root for it, man. It's uh she's a special uh special special volleyball player. I think it's pretty cool that we got to see her, you know. Yeah. No, she she is special. When you look at the tournament victories, what was it hundred and fifteen or something or hundred and seven or what hundred and ten now. Hundred and ten. Hundred and ten now. Jeez. 
Uh, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, unbelievable. I thought you put it well on the broadcast. Indisputably, she and Misty, the greatest beach volleyball team ever, and that's over Karch and Kent. For sure. I think crushes Karch and Kent. Yeah, you three know, gold I, medals. I've kind of said it ever just, since, I think, 09. I've, I've basically just said, really, there's there's no argument. You know, I mean, you, you know, you always Twitter, Twitter or Volley Talk, yeah. whatever, you get people on there that just want to light you up or whatever. But, you know, one of the guys who, who tweets and goes on there is actually knows a lot about volleyball, one of the one of the rare guys, actually. But he, <laughs> he was like, he, he texted me during the thing. He's like, either Phil and Todd, or, I mean, Phil and Rosie are not the number one team in the world. And I was kind right. of messing with him. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah they kind of are. But, but <laughs> No, you said that like three times, and each time I was like, up, oh. yeah, we ended up talking about it that night with all the guys. And, like, listen, I mean, there's no real, like, number one team in the world because there's so many different scoring systems and everything. But basically, Rosie and Phil are right there in mm-hmm. the conversation. I mean, it's not even a question. I mean, if you yeah. have any of the guys on our tour, Jake, you know, Ferbs, Casey, yeah. like any of the guys that travel, they're the number one team in the world. I and think they're actually the fourth. So too. Fourth or fifth, I think, is where they <laughs> yeah. actually rank. Because in, in the, the world rankings I was doing, they were they were down there. But with the Brazilians broken up, I mean, yeah. certainly they're, they're in that conversation, no question. Yeah. Uh, Gideon, you... Yeah, so they're not they're not there yet, you know. I mean, they they definitely have some inconsistencies they got to work out. They just but started they're definitely the top four team in the world, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely on an upward trend. They're not getting worse. Those two players are definitely getting better. Uh, there's no doubt that they're going to be a factor uh, in the men's side of the game. Yeah. And I think folks folks feel pretty good about the women's side of the game with Fatma and Sweat and some of the other teams that they've seen all of a sudden coming up and playing yeah. well, that the women's side, given sand yeah. collegiate volleyball and, and what you see on the women's side professionally, that we're in pretty good shape for the United States. Uh, the men's side, a bit more of a concern once we do lose the likes of mm-hmm. Rosenthal and Dahlhauser in that generation. Uh, and it appears we're going to yeah, lose them no after this it. next Olympics, probably before 2020. Yeah, there's no question about it. I think, you know, you look at the, the, the women's game and you see Lane Carrico down there and Summer Ross and Memory Day and these really good young players. And, you know, uh, Sweat's only 27, so you get you, you, you definitely get excited about that. And you hope you hope the men's game has that. But, I don't know, you see Theo Bruner, Triborn, Will Montgomery, and Colin mm-hmm. Irons. There's some good young guys out there that are putting in the time and, and working hard. And, 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 and I've seen the excitement back in the game this summer, Barney, which I don't think we've seen – in the last few years, I mean, you and I have been pretty, pretty adamant about uh, this game going in the wrong direction, and, and 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 it was a bummer to see. But you know, Leonard's event was fantastic, and I think the players are really happy that the ADP is 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 is, is having something for them, and there's somewhere to play, and they yeah. all seem excited about it. I mean, the mood was, the mood's been really good. I mean, for me personally, only, you know, the only events I can do were Leonard's and. And this one, and, and that's it for me. I, I can't do anymore. But to be around it again was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a it blast. looked good. I had a blast emceeing Long Beach. Yeah, I had a blast emceeing Long Beach, and uh, and I had so much fun doing TV. So for me, it was great to be back, man. It was a uh, it was a lot of fun, and it was, it was good to be around all those people again. Hey, it was great to have you back on here for a little while. Thanks for calling in. Absolutely. And if you get Furby on, I think the audience will know he's been on before. He's he's truly one of the great guys. It's not just saying that he. He really is, and that's why all the players are so happy for him. And Matt Furman, you're not going to get a better guy and a more respected guy out there. So you just, you know, you got to be happy for a guy like that. And oh. If you're not, then then you got to check yourself. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And, and good job on the broadcast. I thought it looked cool. The the old school vibe was good. It it looked neat. We just you got to get out of the blue T-shirt. I don't know who's making that decision, but oh someone's got to put in a Phoenix? call. Are you kidding me, dude? The abuse I took from my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I couldn't even believe when they rolled that thing to me. I tried everything in my power to not wear that thing. I mean, I, you know, 
Dane at least can pull something off like that. But, dude, the V-neck is just not – it's not my bag, dude. It's, I don't have that shot. But it's not TV either. I mean, can we get some polos? Can we get some branding? Can we get you a clothing sponsor? I mean, Old Navy is not a great sponsor. They don't logo anything. Listen, bud, I, I had a million things I could have worn. Believe me, I was ready to go, buddy. I tried everything in my power. <laughs> everything in my power. I thought Dane did a great job. Yeah, he was good. I thought uh, Dane, I haven't listened to him in a while, and I thought it was the same Dane Blanton that we had gotten here on the Net Live. Because for a long time, I'd listened to Dane, and he he just sounded different and not quite as good as he did in person. Because we had him here for the show for three hours, and he was awesome. And I thought, Dane, put that on the air. And I, and I thought he did. I, I was impressed uh, with what he was doing. The analysis was fun. The The kind of banter between you two guys was good. And uh, I thought from a, a broadcasting standpoint, it was fun. Yeah, I, I, I've worked with him so many times, Barney, and you know that comfort level, like when you work with Sunday or Marlowe. You know, it's, it's just fun, man. You're not afraid to have some fun, and, and hopefully that showed in the broadcast. I mean, you, you know, I, listen, filling in for Marlowe, I mean, in my opinion, he's the greatest beach volleyball, you know, play-by-play guy ever. He's really the, the guy who did it, started it, and uh, it, was, it was an honor to fill in for him, and, and I had a great time doing it, man. Cool. Great time doing it. Very cool. Well, thanks for calling in, Gita. We're going to get Casey Jennings here. Tablet already? Did you guys give your props to Whitney Tablet, too? Uh, we will. We yeah. will. Three times in a row, she's going to get her props. It's crazy. I'll tell you, man, it, it, it's not easy playing with a Misty May or a Carrie Walsh, man. She uh, she earned her stripes, man. She's she's uh, She belongs. For sure. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. I like the way she plays, too. I like swinging away. I like to see that. Yeah. All right, we got Casey Jennings. Thanks, dude. Thanks for calling in. Casey Thomas calling in? Yeah. All right, tell him I said hello, and uh, talk later, boys. All right, later on. All right, Chris Gieter-McGee checking in. He said he was never coming on the show again. He said he was out. Oh, he didn't come on the show. He just oh, called. That's he's a good he's point. not here. He good just point. called in. <laughs> yep. Now, I'm worried about having two guys on at once. Otherwise, I keep Gieter on the line, but I'm a little concerned about our bandwidth here. Casey deserves it on his own. Yeah. Shall we? Uh, yeah. I, I can't even do this justice, really. Can no. I? No, you can't. Because I'm not Gieter. Nope. And this guy's been around forever at this point. Seven tournament victories, was it, before this weekend, if I'm remembering correctly? He's going to let us know. He's going to let correct. us know. But he's been through a lot. We've seen him all over the place, supporting Kerry, supporting his own game, playing well in his own right, and somehow managed to recapture the magic that we saw years ago with he and Matt Furbringer. This next guy is all about beach volleyball, the beach lifestyle, and representing, and he did it well this weekend, coming home with a Manhattan Open victory and yet another plaque on the pier. Casey Jennings, welcome to the Net Live once again. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> Dude, unbelievable. Now tell me, really, when you when you decided to team with Matt, you said, I'm going to take Furbringer and, and – Carrie said, are you crazy? And you said, yes, I'm going to do it. She said, whatever, go ahead. And you did it. What were really your realistic expectations going in? Where did you think you'd finish? I just thought, give me a shot. Give me a shot with Matty. Uh, you know, he only stopped playing a couple months ago. I mean, it wasn't a three-year break. So I knew that he eats well. He stays in shape. He's hitting balls on the indoor guys. And he's seeing guys that are working hard every day. So I think that inspires you to stay in shape. And, True that. And Furby's on, always done well taking care of his body. Um, so I was thinking, you know, when he said he could play, I thought, okay, we got 15 days to train together. We got we got three days in. Two of the days were before uh, 
were that week that we got on the beach together, and one day was the week before, and we and uh, we did some scrimmaging. One day we had just a coach serve with balls, and so seeing him play and seeing his block, I was thinking, man, if if his legs can handle this, and I can help him out with digging some balls, we can get into the final four. And after we get to the final four, it's anybody's show. You, once you're there, the adrenaline takes over, and you can just you, you, you got a shot to win it. Period. And so that's what I wanted. I told Furby. He said, "What do you? What are our expectations?" I said, "Let's sit down and talk about it." We sat down, and I said, "I want to get to the final four, and if we can get there, we can win it." And he's like, "Okay." And I said, "But we're gonna." And he was saying, "I want to make sure we're relaxed, but we're having fun. We're composed." And we stay focused at the task. And I said, yeah, one match at a time. The the first round of a tournament is always the most, like, energetic, and, and uh, or at least your nerves are the highest. Yeah. Uh, I don't care who, who you're playing. I never take anybody for granted. So mm-hmm. first round, you can play the whatever seed, and, and uh, they're dangerous because you got to get on your game right away. So it was nice. We we did well in our first, second matches, and, and then um, – our third, we did well. Keenan pulled out with an injury, gave gave Furby a little more breathing room, and that was it. So my expectations for me are always, I don't want to go into a tournament thinking ninth or fifth, or I don't put a number on it. I, that's not realistic to me because I I don't want to play the game like that. I don't want to think, oh, let's go in and get a seventh and get points for the next one. And so I thought, you know. I could win this. We could win this together. Matt and I know each other so well. If anything, we get to go and press play. He's going to he's gonna block balls, and he's going to set me good, and I'm going to dig balls and set him good. So let's go do it. Roll the dice like Vegas. <laughs> Back to your roots right there. So if I'm hearing correctly, Furbringer's been learning by osmosis. So if you want to be a great player, just go hang around in the gym with yep. a bunch of great Don't do anything. Don't work out necessarily. Don't hit any balls. Just be there, and you'll be really good. <laughs> I love it. No. So, but but tell me yeah, why? Furby works out. Yeah, he's in good shape, no doubt. I'm, I'm kind of just I'm I'm teasing the situation a little bit. But uh, Casey, why Furbs? Why did that that idea come into your head that you wanted to recapture that partnership and and go back? Was it a bit of nostalgia or the the old school feel of the tournament felt like you wanted to go back into your own past? What was it that gave you the initial idea? No, I felt that uh, Furby and I's breakup a couple of years ago was tough for me. I was going through some hard times, and he felt like he needed to make a a switch. Um, it was hard for me. I had to find a new partner, and I, I went through a couple different guys for different reasons. And one thing I said when he uh, two years ago, before they were going to qualify for the Olympics, was before you retire, give me one more. Give me one more tournament. Yeah. And let's you know what let let's do a swan song. And and last year I reminded him. I said, hey. You know, let's, because uh, he said he was going to retire. I, I think it was like December. I said, just give me one more. You know, maybe we can do Huntington together. That's where we both started out and played a ton of beach together. And me, him, and Scotty were down there every day. And we had like one ball, and it was it was flat. And, uh, <laughs> he, said, he said, yeah. He goes, yeah, for sure, Case. And then he got that job with the national team. 
And he said he was done. And I said, well, let's try to get one, you know. Let's try to find one. Let me know if you have any openings. And Stafford and I, I, I felt like we weren't doing well. Uh, we've been training together for like seven months, and I felt like we just weren't meshing like we needed to after that much time together. And I told Furby, I said, hey, man, I, I need a, I, I just need to play with one of my friends, and, and uh, I want to finish with you know, one with you if you can give it to me, and then you can you can wave to the crowd and, and, and do the swan song. So Manhattan's coming up. It's local. What do you got? He called his coach, uh, his boss, and he said, yeah, man, go for it. You can do it. You can pull it off as long as you're just at the scrimmage on Saturday night that we're having the uh, the team scrimmage. They were playing each other. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, yeah. So that's how it came about, and I was just so stoked. I, I just wanted to go and play, you know, and I was getting caught up in trying to coach too much. Uh, my partner, and, I, and and that's really hard. I don't have the – I'm not good enough to coach someone and then take care of my side of the court. Um, I can help out a little bit, but it was nice and it was refreshing to think, okay, we just get to go play. I just get to go and play and do as best that I can with all the training and the time that I've put in, and I get to do it with one of my great friends, and there's not going to be any, you know, we don't have to worry about it. If we get 17th, we're going to go and – and have pizza and a burger and talk about it and, and uh, reminisce. And that's how it came about. So is this it? Is this the walk-off then for the Furbringer Jennings partnership? Furby said, I just hit a grand slam in the ninth inning with two outs. <laughs> and he's like, it's over. And I said, that's, I, have, I am not calling Furbs. I'm not asking him to play in another one. I told him, I said, hey, I just want to make sure that you don't want to do Huntington or anything like that before I start connecting with guys. But it wasn't like, dude, please give me one more. It was like I wanted to make sure he wanted to do that because Huntington's his hometown. And he was like, hey, so I'm done. And I said, perfect. I'm happy so, with it. Matt Furbringer. It. Let's move on. He should never yeah. he should never walk onto the beach ever again after what he just did. He's John Elway. It's not gonna get any better than what he just did. That's for sure. He's John Elway. That's who he is. Holly McPeak left me one of the best messages that I got from this weekend and she said, You know, if Matt really truly stops after winning the Manhattan Open, it'll be the greatest move he's you know, he could do because I wish I would have done that. And uh it, it was it was really cool and I sent him a text and told him that Holly said that so that you know, he stays true to it. Maybe in, you know, maybe in five years we play the qualifier or something and we go out there and have fun or who knows. But right now he's, you know, he's good. He's he's sitting in a good spot. I'm so proud of him. I was so honored to be able to do that. And for us to get on the pier and to close that out after the great um, career that we had together, I mean, it just couldn't be any better. And to have it with my wife, and it's just—it's really just a weekend that will go down in history for us and our family and my friendship with Matt. Uh, it couldn't have been better. And you—and you realize all the trials and all the things that you've been through. And instead of doing the "why me," it was just be prepared. You know, I was just like, I'm just going to be prepared. You know, everyone's like, oh. You're getting older, and I got I call I texted a couple of younger guys, and they're like, ah, you're still playing good, like, but I got to stick with my guy, and it was pretty funny, and I'm like, man, people look at my age, it's so crazy now, and I love that because 
It makes me an underdog again. I, I'm not like this. I'm not 30 years old and on top where, you know, it, it's, I love being the underdog. It's just great. And when people say that my age is a problem or that Carrie's age is a problem, we both just go, yes. Like, <laughs> I want to hear that. I want to hear more. I want to hear something else, you know. I want, I want to hear that I'm too short again or that I'm, that I'm too old now. And it's like, let's go. Let me All tell right. these people again that this thing doesn't matter. Love it. All right. Well, listen, little guy, I wondered <laughs> with, your, uh, with your partner problems that, that you mentioned, how much does this result matter for the search for a new partner? It's huge. Well, yeah, now I'm getting the calls, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's cool. Like, it, it's going to really help me out. Obviously, guys, you know, saw me playing or they see that we won. And and um, so that's going to inspire people to, to be like, yeah, Casey's ready. He's playing great. And it keeps me in the loop. You know, you never know what's going to happen with the, with the top-tier guys that have partnerships that are – solidified you never know if someone goes down and it's nice that i'm in the wings that someone will go oh, casey's ready like he's he's you know i i feel like i'd be the next guy to get to get picked up if something did happen so that that's the perspective that i take too is i just have to always be prepared and i'm healthy my body feels great better than ever and and um i just got to keep doing it while I can. So the partnership thing, yeah, it'll come. I don't have anyone solidified right now. I got, I'm going to play with Matt Prosser in Cincinnati, and then I'm going to play with uh, Steve Gortowski in Atlantic City, and then we're going to go from there. I'll probably play with him in St. Peter's too. Um, and then after that, uh, we'll see. You know, I'm talking to different guys. Nils Nilsson's playing really good. I really like him. He works really hard, and I've and, uh, been talking to him. So we're going to see after these Next three, we only have two more. So, but you know, and then then you start setting yourself up for next year, and you get somebody that you click with, and you train your butt off in the off season, and get ready. You know, and next thing you know, the Olympics are here, and hopefully, I can have somebody that's that's mature and ready to go by the time it's it's time to start qualifying. That's my goal. Yeah, Casey, you said that it is a big weekend for your family, and true, I think because of your win, we've kind of glossed over and not spent a lot of time. Uh, talking about the fact that your wife Carrie came back and won her first tournament since London, and that's a, a pretty big moment for her. Do you ever feel like sometimes you're operating in the shadows of Carrie? And and how, if so, how do you deal with that? You're not doing it now. You kind of eclipsed her yesterday or Sunday. No, I. You know, I get that question a lot, and mm -hmm. sincerely, never do I feel like oh, my gosh, I'm not doing as good as Carrie and competing with her. If anything, I'm a part of that. I help her get there. Right. Um, it, I, have four, I have four older brothers, and it's always been about each brother doing well and motivating each other. And, and as Carrie is my wife, and I love her more than anything in this, mm -hmm. uh, on this planet. And for me to have any kind of... Uh, animosity or, or, or feel like she's doing better than me and I got to keep up. It's just no way. You know, we're a family. We work together and everything we do is, is, is team oriented and our success is, is together and her individual success is hers. And I press her to do, you know, to do that even more. You know, I want to go down and, and help her and, and hit balls at her when she needs to get that done. And so, 
No, I don't. I don't ever feel like I'm in her shadow. And if I am in her shadow, I'll take that because the sun sunburns you too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not a, not a bad shadow to be in. If if you had to beat one guy, is is Sean Rosenthal one of the most fun to beat because you get to shut his fan, his fan <laughs> friends up as well? Oh, the Rosie Raiders, they've, they've, I, I've changed them. I've metamorphosized their name to the Casey's Raiders now because I told them I should fly out to every single event because every time you show up, I win. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Rosie's... Uh, you know he's one of my you know I love he's one of my closest friends too and and to play against him is always just it's so fun we have such a blast and whoever wins we we're both always able to go and and uh, hang out together and talk about it and laugh um, but I, you know if I had a guy that was my favorite guy to beat it would be would be Phil he's just you know I think that he's the greatest player to ever pick up a volleyball and and I have so much respect for him. That I think that you know Phil is that's that's my my favorite guy to beat. It's an honor to play against him and to beat him is like you know it's like beating Michael Jordan. Um, to me, Phil's just a stud and he's a classy guy. And and uh, I, if I had to pick someone that was my favorite, it'd probably be Phil. Casey, one last question before we let you go. Who did you hear from? that kind of crawled out of the woodwork to say congratulations. I know you heard from Holly, but you're probably in touch with her. Were there some people you hadn't heard from in a while that just got on the phone or, or email or something and, and hit you up just to say, wow, that was unreal? Yeah. I had 120 texts when I got done doing the last TV interview. Nice. Um, and I, I thought my phone was broken. I, I, I thought it was a mistake, and it said 120 texts, and so I – I spent the last day and a half getting back to people and thanking them. But um, one of the funniest ones that I, I will save is the Hav. Uh, he left me a message, and he said, well, uh, the Hav and MD uh, separately left. Uh, MD texted me and said, welcome to the Premier Club. Uh, and uh, and Hav left me a pretty funny message and said, wow. How you feeling today? It feels good, doesn't it? And you could just tell he was he was remembering how it felt the day after he won the Manhattan Open, however many times he's won it. Um, and you could tell that he, he was remembering how that felt. He knew exactly how I felt. And I was driving in my car, and I listened to his message, and I just started laughing so hard. It was just – it was perfect, you know, to be in a situation that these legends – you know, only a few people get to have that feeling. I mean, winning a tournament is one thing. And getting your name on that pier in Manhattan is just something I've always strived for. It's up there with the Olympics for me. You know, I've always wanted to get into the Olympics and win a gold medal, obviously. But getting on the pier is, is really close for me. And uh, to have guys like that call me and, and leave me messages and Dane Blanton and, and Geeter and, and all these people I've been surrounded by for so long. And it, it's just, yeah, there's no words to really say how it feels. And you get to relive it when you press the message. In 30 days, I'll listen to, to those messages again from Holly and the Hav, and, and uh, I'll be able to relive it and however long I can keep them. But it's really special, and I'm proud. I'm thankful for you know, my health and the opportunities I've had and the hardships I've had, it all comes full circle. And 
I sat these two little kids down that were ball boys after the tournament that were sitting there, and I almost lost it. I, I pretty much did. I started crying, but I had shades and a hat on so no one could tell. And <laughs> I, I was just telling them, man, you, you know, whatever you guys decide to do in the next five to eight years, you, you can do it. It's real. It's, it's cliche sometimes when I say that. I don't say it a lot, but... It's really nice to sit those ball kids down and to let them know, like, this is going to be you if you choose to do this or you want to play beach volleyball or you want to, you know, be a lawyer or a doctor or sing or whatever it is. You put your head down and you keep working and you can get it. And that's one of my favorite things to do at those events, and especially after I win when, when you have their attention and they're looking at you and they're just like, Sign my shirt, you know, and then you can sit them down and say, hey, listen, there's something i got to tell you. And that's that's the most meaningful thing for me at those, in those moments. And I, I really I really love that stuff, and I want to give back. So it's just great for me. Well, Casey, I was uh, telling Furby this by text message yesterday, but I was there for your first finals in Fort Lauderdale in 2003 when you lost to Fenoy and Dax. I was there... In 2004, when you beat Adam Jewell and Jake Gibb in Belmar, New Jersey, for your first victory, I dominated your wedding as your DJ, and I was—I can't tell you how happy and proud I am of you to be there yesterday when you won, or on Sunday when you won the Manhattan Beach Open. Oh man, that means a lot. It's—it's—it's it's, it's just yeah. Looking up at you after I won, I, I looked at you guys and I said that it was over, and uh, that's one of my the coolest things is to be in and see people that have seen that stuff. You know, that's another piece of it, too, where you, you know, I look up at Jay Roshane, he's up in the booth, and he's just smiling. I call him Joe Cool because he's like Snoopy um, up there with his headphones and sunglasses, and um, his ladies up there, and they both know us so well, and they've seen us go through so much. And Jay Roshane, seeing your face, I can't even tell you. I wish I had a picture to take of you because it's uh you know, it's kind of like a win for everybody, all, all of our friends and people that have seen us grind and me grind individually for the past three years and fight for stuff like this, and, and, and you get to see everyone just go, yes, he got it. Like, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't lying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just special. So I appreciate you and your tunes. Of course. I mean, putting beaded on putting beaded on right when the Raiders were in my ear in the box was was one of the funniest things that I've been a part of. I was just lip syncing Michael Jackson's beat it to the to the Rosie's Raiders telling them to leave if they wanted Bill and Rosie to win. Well, well, Casey Jennings, congratulations on your victory. Certainly a day that will be remembered forever and a story that will be talked about for forever in the volleyball community, your victory with Matt Furbringer back on Sunday to win the Manhattan Open. Look forward to the day that they put that plaque on that pier. Have a great rest of the week, great rest of the season, and we love talking to you. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it, Barney. Take care, and I can't wait to take my kids, Joey and Sundance, and Scout up there because Scout was there, and that was her first Manhattan Open that she was at, and she's going to get her name on the pier too, hopefully. So, It'll be a special day, and we'll remember it. Thanks, guys. All right, Casey Jennings, okay. thanks very much. Man, that, that's, okay. that's really cool to be able to, to share that with your kids. Oh, yeah. It's uh, is pretty neat, uh, something that if, if you're lucky enough to play long enough that your kids will remember, uh, it's pretty neat. I, I like the answer to the, to the first question. 
when I asked him, you know, what, what are your realistic expectations entering the tournament? And he says, look, basically, I, I expect to win. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's totally my attitude from the time I was an 18-year-old kid who couldn't play. You know, every match I entered, somebody would be like, oh, that's so-and-so. And he's like, I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care who that guy is. If you're at that level, you should be thinking that. Yeah. But getting back to I can still do it. I got to do it right you now. Can. You, you could have won the Manhattan Beach Open this week. No, weekend. I couldn't have done that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, simply uh, simply amazing. Uh, and he talks about the ball kids, too. It was funny, if you watched the broadcast, Lane Carrico talked about she used to be a ball kid. Yeah. Now here she is playing, and a lot of people commenting that she might be the future there on the women's side. You touched on it during the interview that Carrie winning the Manhattan Beach Open, being overshadowed by anything else, right. is a rarity. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Way to it go. is an absolute rarity. This is her sixth Manhattan Beach Open victory, her first tournament victory since London. And the story is her husband and Matt Furbringer winning the Manhattan Beach Open. That no, is, nobody's even going to remember that, that she won, other than to say, oh, her or his his wife also won. It'll it'll be a story, but it won't be nearly as big. The first, yeah, <laughs> the lead the lead story is Matt and Casey for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, and that. That says a lot about Matt and Casey's story right there, period. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh it's it's a pretty neat story, pretty amazing. There were you know there were tons of texts like the ones I was getting throughout the afternoon mm-hmm. uh going in a variety of swear words. Can you believe what is happening? And those that if you could draw a web of that it would cover I think everybody in the sport, indoors and out, was getting those types of messages, have you seen what is happening? This is awesome. If somebody would have wrote this as a script, you would have been they like... They did. It's called Side Out. Exactly. But I mean... <laughs> as Keter points Exactly. Out. But they had been partners forever. <laughs> the tournament had a throwback feel. Right. They hadn't played together in a couple years. Right. Furby, I know you're retired and helping coach the national team. Would you mind, you know, playing one more event with me? Sure. How about we do the Manhattan Beach Open? Okay. Sounds perfect. <laughs> and then we go out and win and it. And we're going to win it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the tape, and I want to see, did at any point Casey Jennings take his hands and turn one upside down and set that the ball way. that way? <laughs> is, is there a close-up of that anywhere? No, I think most of Casey's, he locks his hands together, just <laughs> that perfect platform out there. And Can we cut that in? Can we cut that into the championship video, the championship celebration video? Can we put that scene in there? That's funny. Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations, uh, Matt Furbringer, Casey Jennings. We're going to talk to Matt Furbringer here later on the show. We still have College Volleyball Weekly. Coming up, we're going to take a short break here, and uh, J-Ro informs me he's going to do some throwback stuff because the theme was retro for Manhattan Beach this past week. If you saw, if you weren't lucky enough to be there, you saw the logo and things they were using and the feel of it. No, no bleachers, just people around in their beach chairs. It was really, really cool, and so J-Ro has some music to match here on the Net Live. Right back, much more show to come. Only print publication covering all aspects of the sport you love. VBM has been publishing the latest in volleyball news for over 35 years. With exclusive photo galleries, player interviews, event coverage, product reviews, and volleyball-specific health and fitness advice, Volleyball Magazine is a great resource for players and fans of all levels. Now with an even more robust online presence, check out VolleyballMag.com to subscribe and find exclusive web content and articles. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, Volleyball Mag is the industry's number one volleyball magazine.
You know who that is? Billy Idol. First of all, (laughs) Stevie Wonder. Don't say something to me like, oh, how how dare you ask me who this is. Like, you deserve to be asked. Stevie Wonder. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Welcome back to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, here on a Tuesday. Appreciate you tuning in. If you're getting this via iTunes, remember it is free. It is on the Blog Talk radio feed. There, if you search volleyball or the Net Live inside of the iTunes store, you will find us under podcasts. I want to make sure we thank all the supporters of this program, the ABCA, as well as Volleyball Mag, for hosting our website. And, of course, the other folks who are getting involved. We have some stuff coming up soon. If you haven't gotten NetLive T-shirts, sorry, they're gone, basically. We have a couple of some larges and mediums. I think medium and small is left. Mediums so. and small. So the ladies. For your, ladies. Uh, your girlfriends, yep. your wives, maybe your large children. There was a NetLive T-shirt spotted this week, and Matt Garhoff was representing. It's always Matt Gardhoff. We need that's good. I like that. I would have shown people my NetLife T shirt, but I was freezing so I had a jacket on the whole time. <laughs> you need a NetLife jacket. Yeah, exactly. And a parka. And a beanie with gloves. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're working on some new products. Those will be out soon, so be on the lookout for that. We appreciate you listening and we're about to bring back a segment that uh, we haven't had in a little bit. Because we haven't had, we haven't had a need it. for it. Nope, we haven't had a need for it. But now we do as the season gets underway on the women's side of collegiate volleyball. We bring back the College Volleyball Weekly. This is a segment that's been on our show for quite some time, the last few years, giving you a look at what's coming and a remembrance of what was in the week of College Volleyball. We'll be doing this all the way through December with the Collegiate Women. We're going to find out if Texas can repeat as champion. And we bring in our one of our usual correspondents this week, Doing it solo, Brandon Rosenthal, head coach at Lipscomb University. Brandon, are you there? What's happening, boys? Hey, what's happening? Thanks for calling in, being a part of College Volleyball Weekly, as usual. And uh, Brandon, every year you get to this point. I know you've been going through double days. You've been practicing for a while. Are all of the coaches and players around the United States just ready to play someone in a different color uniform? There's no doubt about it. I, you know, I think it's uh, one of those tricky things that uh, we're all scrambling to get ready, uh, but we're definitely ready to see what we've got. Yeah. 
Will I wonder with last year Texas finally coming through, getting the victory? Do you think they will repeat? They did not lose much. You know, I think you got to look at Texas. Obviously, I think you got to look at Stanford. I mean, Stanford's probably yeah. one of those teams that, <clears throat> at the end of last year, obviously they went out a little bit earlier than expected. And the big thing with them was, I mean, you look on the court, and there's at any one time there was three, four, you know, freshmen, freshmen out yeah. there. So you've got to think, oh uh, boy, you know, these guys are going to be around for a while. So uh, you know, I'm definitely interested to see. Uh, Texas and Stanford, and and then you know the usual story. Who's going to sneak up in there? Who's going to be, you Oregon. know, the wild horse uh, to kind of come in and uh, maybe you know wreak a little havoc? Yeah, last year I think that team was Oregon. I don't think people understood how good Oregon was when the season started, and then they find themselves looking at them in the Final Four. Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I was one of those teams or one of those people, you know, throughout the season I kept saying, ah, you know, let's just wait to see, let's just wait to see, you know, as preseason or pre-conference season went through, you know, uh, I, I just didn't buy in the hype and uh, you know what, they proved me absolutely wrong as they did an unbelievable job in the you know Pac-12 and then obviously into the tournament so um you know and Oregon's one of those teams too that lost a lot yeah. you know, as far as just senior leadership and and their you know Elena's I, I, I hate to say the heart yeah I hate to say the heart and soul but I mean yeah the heart and soul of what they had going on but you know, I like Oregon in the sense that they're doing something different. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. You know, you got to love coaches that just say, screw it. I know this is what everybody else is doing. I want to do something different. And, uh, you know, it's hard. It, you know, we run a little bit faster offense, uh, you know, as does Oregon. And I'm telling you, you can see it when you, you know, when you run it to its capabilities. Other teams are just – looking at it going, man, oh, man, we just don't see this every day. Yeah, definitely Oregon with the mad scientist in charge over there. It's, uh, it is a different Alfred kind of deal. Alfred Newman, baby. <laughs> right. Well, did, do you have somebody you think could be this year's Oregon, could be the big surprise? You know, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested to see. You know, Louisville made a big run last year, but uh, you know, I think they're losing some people. You know, I'll be interested to see. I'll tell you who I'll be interested to see, and, and we play them is Kentucky. Kentucky is a Sweet 16 team. You know, from last year, uh, they return almost everybody outside of their uh, starting libero and Stephanie Kleefa, but they've got a girl named Jackie Napper who is just going to really replace that. And again, Kleefa was a special player, but I think Napper is going to come in and do a, a good job. And right out of the gate, I think they're going to be tested. I mean, they start out uh, <clears throat> out your way in the Strong Beach. Uh, they're going to take on Florida State, Illinois, Illinois, and uh, Long Beach State. So you will really get a, a good taste of what Kentucky's all about, you know, right out of the gate. And then uh, they actually make a visit to Nash Vegas here on September 21st. Uh, that uh, should be a, a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to that one. All right, Kentucky ranked number 17. And to, to me, one of the surprises was Illinois. They've fallen precipitously, at least according to the preseason rankings, from just a couple of seasons ago when they find themselves in the Final Four. Uh, is Illinois worthy of being in the top 25 and they just kind of got stiffed, or are they kind of starting where they belong and they're an unknown? 
I think you got to start more, you know, outside of the top 25. Okay. I, I, you know, I go back and forth on this every year. Obviously, the rankings are based on last year's performance. I don't think that when they uh, compile the rankings, too many coaches or or whatever are looking at who left and whatnot. I think there's so much going on that uh, it's really tough. And it's unfortunate because I think when a team loses four or five seniors and, you know, they're, they finished at the 24th and then they start the next year at 24th, it's kind of like, eh, you know. But I think you've got to earn your way in. And I think, you know, after Illinois season, and again, I, there's no – doubt that it was frustrating for Kevin and, and his crew, but you know, on the other side of things, I know that that's going to spur him even harder you know, to get back in there, and so uh, I think they got to start outside, and I, I think that uh, you know, they got to earn their way back in. Creighton is a team Yeah, you know, talk about mid-major team Creighton's a team that had a fabulous season last year. 29-4 and, four. and uh, again, they're going to be tested right out of the gates, too. Uh, they're playing uh, at a neutral site, but they're playing BYU, who I believe is 16th or 17th, somewhere around there, maybe a little bit higher. 13th. <clears throat> 13th, excuse me. You know, that will be an interesting one as well. Creighton uh, is really starting to build a tradition there. The crowds that they give for their match. First of all, they've got a, you know, a volleyball-specific gym. It's an awesome, you know, place. And uh, we've played there, and it's just – it's a really cool environment. And it's – you know, I think it seats somewhere between – 2,500 to 4,000, somewhere around there. So not overly uh, big, but at the same time, they do a nice job of getting the crowd. So I'll be in, I'll be watching Creighton Blue Jays. All right, here's a question. Uh, either number six, Minnesota, or number 10, Nebraska, which one rises higher in the rankings this year? I'm going to say Minnesota. Uh, and... The only reason I say that, I think that uh, obviously Nebraska brought in a very big recruiting class, a, a very talented recruiting class. I think it's going to take them a little bit, a little bit more to get there. Uh, you know, one of the side notes of Nebraska's year or, or roster is Kelsey Robinson, who's transferring from Tennessee, who I think will be a huge. I mean, you talk about a competitor. I mean, that girl wants to win at everything, and and I think that will help him. But I, I really think another year under the belt of Hugh McCutcheon and what he can do, you know, just team dynamic wise, I think is going to be something special. And I think you're, you know, you guys have seen that, Kevin. You have, you know, once you get into his system and you know he gets his people in there and things like that. So I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm going to say Minnesota. All right. Is there another conference in ACC or perhaps another one where you think they can really affect the national scene that maybe is not on people's radar, not in the Big Ten, Pac-12 kind of? You know, I think the ACC is that conference. I think, you know, especially you're starting to see some some of the movement, you know, by, uh, you know, just jumping conferences and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. You, you've got some teams coming in that uh, were pretty good, you know, in their old conferences, and now all of a sudden, you know, they're going to be into an already, you know, established conference. You've got, you know, Miami that's already established. You've got Florida State 
North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina State is making a push. Uh, Virginia Tech is always a strong program. Uh, but, you know, now all of a sudden, and, and excuse me, and Duke, you know, so you're talking about five or six programs that uh, are really going to be, you know, pushing. And now all of a sudden you've got some other programs uh, not coming in this year, but I think next year, and, and that's going to change. And I think that uh, there's going to be a push by some of these teams to to win now uh, because I think when you add more quality programs, it's going to be harder and harder. All right, what to watch. Give us uh, some matchups you want to see. You already mentioned Creighton and BYU and also Kentucky at the uh, Long Beach State Tournament with their matchups. Is there another one that you're looking forward to seeing? I think you got to go Texas, Hawaii. You know, uh, here's what I love. I love coaches that just say, you know what, we're going to play the best. And I give a lot of credit to Jarrett and, and and Dave for you know not, you know, they can easily put together schedules where it's just win, 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 and and you know nothing happens. But uh, you know, right out of the gate, the first match, you know, is Texas and Hawaii. Uh, I like what what's going on there. I like the idea of it, and uh, it should be a fun, fun match. You know, the next weekend is that Nike Volleyball Big Four Classic. I think it's going to be fun with Penn State, Texas, Stanford. Uh, You know, that will be a lot of fun just to watch as well. But, you know, right out of the gate, Texas, Hawaii. All right. I like that. That's the number one versus number 11 matchup. And that Nike tournament coming up afterwards. It's always a good opportunity to get out to Hawaii if you're a player or coach. Good competition, and you couldn't get better surroundings. Brandon Rosenthal, thanks very much for uh, checking in here. Before we let you go, who's going to win the ace on this year? Oh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun year. You know, you've got three teams that are kind of vying for that top spot in Florida Gulf Coast, East Tennessee State, and and ourselves, and all senior laden. And uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch. We've got a new staff here, and Billy Ebel, not evil, not like <laughs> Doctor Evil, but Billy Ebel, as uh, you've already uh, started calling him. And then Ann Arms, a former uh, uh, Kentucky player. So it'll be fun to watch. Uh, you know us. Go up against the Wildcats, but I think uh, in the end it's going to be a grind throughout the conference season. And uh, you know, I like our chances. I do. I like our team, and I, I think it's you know we've got a group of seniors that are are hungry to get back to kind of where we were after a little bit disappointing season. So you know, I think one of the three of us are going to be you know uh, the eventual champions. And um, you know, it's a long season, but you know, I think we're going places. Yeah, when he's out there coaching your guy, Billy, and he goes, I think you should hit the ball down the line. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> or maybe you should have hit With the angle. With a little pinky, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Brandon Rosenthal, thanks very much for being a part of College Football Weekly. We'll talk to you next week, Tuesday. Yeah, looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys having me back, and I, I think this is uh, an awesome segment and, and something that uh, people really need to uh, get a hold of because uh, this is really the heartbeat of what college volleyball is. Women's Collegiate Volleyball, grab it. Maybe that should be their new... Uh... <laughs> Not for the women, I don't think. Slightly suggestive. Well, or the men, really. Uh, Whatever you want. All right, thanks, Brandon. We'll see you. Thanks, you guys. All right, Brandon Rosenthal, head coach, Lipscomb University, checking in. Uh, good stuff in there, DJ Roche. I know you don't care about women's indoor, but uh, there are some teams to watch. Texas is going to be good. Without Geeter here to cheer on Jared Elliott every week, someone's going to pick up that slack. Maybe it's you. Jared Elliott is now following me on Twitter, so I have to respect him 
but I did take my headset off and use the restroom during that thing. <laughs> and not because I don't care, but it's let's okay, let's be honest. I don't care right now. It's too early for me to start caring. And yeah. that's no yeah. offense to anybody else, but everybody keeps telling me summer's over, but summer really just started for me since beach volleyball tournaments are happening for me right now. I wasn't in Salt Lake, so this was my first beach well, first A V P event of the season. So I feel like my summer should not be over yet, Kevin. Yeah, it's not over. It's only getting started. We haven't had summer here. Still, it's cloudy again today. Correct. It's humid, but it's cloudy. Correct. It's uh, some strange, strange weather out there. Going. So, but yes, college women's volleyball. Yay. Let's All do right. this. We've still got uh, Nicole Davis coming up on the show, as well as Matt Furbringer going to join us. We talked to his partner, Casey Jennings, earlier in the program. Uh, we're going to reach out and try and get, you know, this the backstory, the other thing that happened on the weekend. Maybe we can talk to that. Uh, I think it was her name was uh, Karen. Or something? Care, care. Oh, Carrie. Oh, Carrie. She, she won the Manhattan that Beach. That won the w- women's side in the Manhattan oh. Beach Open. We'll, we'll reach out to her. Not only did she win for the sixth time, Whitney Pavlik, and I know we kind of mentioned it, but this is her third, third time in a row. In a row. In a row. <laughs> and somebody out there, some idiot, some troll, no. is going to put it out there. Oh, well, two years ago, the tournament this. <laughs> last year, the Cuervo. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Be quiet. You still have to win the tournament no matter who shows up, and you can't control that. Three times in a row is sick. There's Not not only does she have her name on the pier, she has her own section. It's like the, the Whitney Pavlik section. Great call. That's a great call. Here's We're, the thing. You, you're touring the pier. Yeah. You're walking down. Well, here's here's the Marlowe section. Here's the Dodd section over here. Now here's you're standing Whitney's in Pavlik section. You're standing in Pavlik. That's funny. That's really – you know, um, and you, I have to give credit to Fotman Sweat, too. This was there. Second Manhattan Beach Finals in a row. Yep. Jennifer Fatma is third. And don't forget they have a bronze. Correct. And, and Jen Fatma, boy, she's she's improved. I think she's improved For a sure. lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brooke Sweat, uh, I just wonder if she's big enough. They went after Fatma mostly. That's a good point. And I asked some coaches, because of the DJ booth, you have a lot of players and coaches set up there, A, because of the view, B, because you're not amongst Everybody else. They're coming up there to cool down? Correct. Yeah. Um, asking them, like, why, you know, Fatma's seeing a lot more serves, even internationally, too. And um, it's not that they think she's worse than Brooke, or I just, they feel like she approaches it more straight on, where Brooke, is, since she is smaller, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily know what she can do. Because Fatma can go up and absolutely bang a ball. You know, it's funny with... Uh, and if she's running, if she's floating and going and blocking the whole time, they did that with Sean Scott. Like, maybe they can tire out. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting with uh, Evandro and Emmanuel, who who were in the finals uh, in uh, in Moscow against the Latvians. Mm-hmm. The Latvians ended up being victorious, but one of the big reasons is they went after Evandro. Evandro's 23-year-old, pretty raw, six foot eleven, but they moved him. They moved him short. They moved him long. You have to tolerate a couple of... Pretty much posterizings, like just crazy straight down crushes yeah, right in front of you. Uh, yeah. He's going to get a hold of it. But Smedens and uh, Simeonov, or whatever his last name is, uh, did did very well at targeting Evandro and getting the, the errors out of him that you wanted, even though you put up with some pretty good crushes. And it was a good strategy. Uh, I think also a good strategy because you don't want to serve his partner. You don't want to serve anyone whose name starts with the great Correct. <laughs> you do not. If if the person's name starts with the great, 
Stay off him. Whatever follows after that, like, yeah. Turn him into a setter. <laughs> That's what you want him to be. That's funny. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is an interesting strategy to go after the big person, and, and you got to do that sometimes, depending upon other players. I think you're seeing that a lot more. I mean, especially, you know, talking to some of these blockers, like Casey even mentioned, like, he likes playing against Phil. Not only does he like playing against Phil, he's actually – He loves beating Phil. He's decently <laughs> successful, and not necessarily in, like, beating him all the time, but – Beating Phil's block, and by that I mean like Casey gets a lot of tools off of Phil's block. Phil gets hit in the head a lot from Casey. Like I think sometimes the bigger guys have a, a little bit of a harder time defending the smaller hitters. Yeah. And so you see somebody like Furby, Jake Gibb, who they're six, whatever, like they're coming in straight up, and they're almost at your eye level anyways, as opposed to Casey, who you may have to look down at to block him. I wouldn't because I'm shorter, but, you know, that that that's the that, I think that's something that goes into these blockers mentality now. I'm gonna serve the big guy because I can at least see them as I go up to block. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Whitney Pavlik, I I like the way she plays the game. She just she plays with a lot of fire. She's not afraid to get up there and hit the ball. I like when she hits the ball. She doesn't shoot so much. I like when she gets up there and clobbers the ball. Yeah. Just swing away. Play play outdoor like indoor. That's my favorite. And she is talking the entire time, by the way. And not necessarily to anybody. She's just talking. Like talking herself through the play. And not like Casey Patterson talking because he's talking trash to the other team. <laughs> when he's almost talking to herself, talking to her partner, but not necessarily looking for a response from her partner. She's just speaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. No, it's, uh, it's classic stuff. Congratulations, Whitney Pavlik. Yep. I mean, congratulations to Carrie as well on your 175th victory or whatever. 110, I think is that what 110. You that is yes. gnarly. 110. Wow. Wow. You know how I was looking at some of her stats and awards. Like, you know, her and Missy are the greatest volleyball team of all time. Period. You don't have to throw a gender in there. They, they threw in the match wins. It was 100 and something in a row. It's, it was and like 103. Then, and then they had a 70-something yes. in a row that just gets glossed over. And it doesn't get talked about in sports enough, regardless whether a volleyball record. That, like, what other sport athlete team can do what they did? I talk about all the time. Tiger Woods, in his heyday, when he was dominating golf, would win 27 to 30% of his tournaments he right. entered. Right. Karen and Misty were winning almost 80%. <laughs> 80. <laughs> well, and for one stretch, 100%. A hundred matches, you, you won every time you went but out. That is ridiculous. Yeah. In a team sport. In, in a team sport with such variable weather, variable conditions, travel. Difference. I mean, yes, they're playing on sand, but Manhattan Beach sand is a lot deeper than anywhere else. Right. You go to Cincinnati, it's going to be a little bit more hard packed right. because they bring it in and it's on top of concrete. Like, yes, it's sand, but it's still different surfaces. So some guys like, oh, I play better on a... No injuries during that time? Exactly. No, it's it's remarkable. It's ridiculous. It is. I mean, they're they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, already. I I've done the Hall of Fame inductions. Hope to be there when Misty and Carrie go in. But I don't know if there's a a waiting period. I forget what the criteria is to be selected. But you could put them in right now. You could put them in a couple of years ago. You could put them in before the 2012 games. You could put them in after their second gold medal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when they you did could that. Put them huge in after oh, for yeah. sure. And and they're they're going in for it's, sure. It's unbelievable. Hey, next up here on the show, we have Nicole Davis coming on in just a little bit. She's going to be here after practice. We'll talk to her about that. As her, her team is preparing for Grand Prix Finals. Nicole actually still at, at home, so we're going to hear about the training environment that's happening because the USA women have been out of town uh, forever, basically. 
They, uh, they don't really live in the United States right now. Yeah, no kidding. They're getting ready for the final round. They made the final round. No surprise there. They're one of six teams set for the final round out there in Sapporo, Japan. It's uh, Anytime you can go and play a big tournament in Japan, you need to do so because it's nice. They went through the preliminary round with an 8-1 and record. They earned a spot to the final round on the last day of the preliminary round on August 18th with a five-set victory over Bulgaria. That was in Sendai, so they've been in Japan for just a little bit. So uh, U.S. and Brazil are there. Let me look at their – see, they have a match schedule right here. Final round schedule, United States and Brazil. That's a great jump-off point right there, and that is happening, I believe, today. Today, 27th? It is, isn't it? It's happening today, Yep. 11.30 p.m. Pacific time, our time, 3.30 p.m. local. And then, our, I wonder if that already happened, Jeremy. Interesting. I can never, with Japan, it's always confusing. Uh, then they get Serbia, who, of course, we've mentioned is a great young team, and the United States had a fantastic match with Serbia early on. Then China, and then Italy, and the United States will finish up with Japan. And I, I still get try and think of Japan. I always think of Japan as kind of a rollover, mainly because of my experience with the men's team. But the Japanese women, by the way, bronze medalists. Yeah. Pretty darn good. Now, mm. Those are all good matches right there for the USA women as they attempt to take home uh, the Grand Prix crown once again. Nicole Davis, a part of three Grand Prix winning teams. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. It's all right. I'll take it. Let's take a short break. Cool. Give you a couple minutes. Because we have a couple of great interviews coming up. Nicole Davis is going to be on, and then Matt Furbringer. Thanks to Brandon Rostall and Casey Jennings for being on. We also have uh, other stuff to talk about. We'll talk about fishing, camping, allergy attacks. Drink, drink, drink. Yeah, somebody said there was enough Manhattan Beach open, not to mention motocross, but uh, we'll see what we can do. We'll be right back in that live. Great. <laughs>
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Thanks for tuning in and getting us via iTunes. So we're entertaining you on your commute. Kevin Barnett sitting in with uh, Snoopy next to me. That would be Joe Cool. Joe Cool. Yeah. Sorry, not just Snoopy. Not. You're not the Baron either. You're not Correct. flying the doghouse around. Joe Cool. You are Joe Cool. Jeremy Roche. <laughs> hey, we've talked a lot about the Manhattan Beach Open. Remember, it is rebroadcast today from 12 to 2 Pacific. That will be on CBS Sports Network. If you don't have Time Warner and you have the opportunity, watch it because we have Time Warner here in this house. So You should actually. I mean, TiVo it, DVR it, whatever it is you do to it. Yeah, I'm getting caught because I can't leave Time Warner. They have the other channels that I am on, so I have to be able to record stuff and watch stuff, particularly yeah. the Pac-12 network. I really have nowhere else to go, and they better solve this crap before we get to they will. the NFL. They will. I don't have any other choices. I mean, I could get Dish, but I don't. Want dish? No, you don't so want dish. My only cable provider is uh, Time Warner in my area, so just gotta wait it out like everybody else, Kevin. There you go, wait it out. I'll just travel to other cities so I can watch the uh, CBS broadcast. I traveled to another city and watched the CBS broadcast this past week. It was Denver. I tell you, what, I don't have allergies really. Denver, I love Denver. Ready to got you? I love Denver. First of all, it's beautiful. Yeah. But I got to Denver. Yeah. And I, I think somebody told me that right now there's. There's moderate allergy stuff. There's high allergy stuff. And then about double that is what Denver's at right now. I wonder why. Uh, they've had a lot of rain, a lot of growth, the weeds and stuff in the oh, hills. Gotcha. And it just blows down over the city. I was sneezing and blowing my nose. And even when I got back last night, the wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm all glassy eyes. She's like, why are you crying? You're like, I'm not crying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and it would come like the feeling of having to sneeze would come. And then you, didn't, you don't sneeze. And I'm like. That's actually worse. Like, I'd oh. rather, yeah. Don't Terrible. don't either do it or don't do it. Don't fake me out. Denver was killing me, and I mean, I went camping. I didn't have a problem. I was up at Lake Kachuma for four days with the boys. Yep. And the family in the tent and camping out, fires and fishing. And anybody get poison ivy? No, no poison ivy and no fish. S'mores? Any s'mores? Lots of s'mores. Excellent. Half a bag of marshmallows not, per night. Consumed. Not going camping unless I have s'mores. I don't care <laughs> what we're doing. We had everything. We had the s'mores Good. rocking out. And the boys get they get sugar cereal on camping, so they're eating like. Three quarters of a box of cereal per bre- for breakfast. So they were running around the woods like Lords of the Flies, just face paint, you know, sharp sticks, killing wild boars just because they're all high on sugar. It was like the weird part of the beach, the movie, <laughs> the beach. It was the weird section you don't yeah, want to watch. You're like, you know? Why? I'm uncomfortable right now. Yeah, where they're playing the techno music and stuff. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's just freaking weird. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, good news for Time Warner Cable, BYU TV just added. I saw it this morning when I turned on my TV that uh, BYU TV now added so I can watch their broadcast of uh, BYU events. Perfect. Our next guest is here. Jeremy, is that what you're telling me? I am. All right. I see a lot of championships listed here and a lot of medals. Our next guest is out of Stockton, California, played at USC where she won the 2002 National Championship at USC. And I think... Followed it up with another national championship in 2003, back-to-back. And then went on to the USA Women's National Team, where she is a two-time silver medalist. And you know us here on this show, we love silver medals. Yes, we do. Suck it, America. Silver medals are also valuable. Silver medalist in 2008 and 2012, plus a three-time Grand Prix gold medalist. She wears the Wonder Woman bands whenever she plays. Welcome in, Nicole Davis. What's up, guys? How's it going? What's happening, Nicole? Thanks for finally joining us. I'm sorry that we decided that Vivaldi should play instead of you on our last broadcast. I have never, before or or since, <laughs> have that happen. It was 
something remarkable. So we appreciate you making time for us uh, once again uh, to come on. Listen, I, I, want to ask you, I want to ask you about the gym situation now. We know there have been a lot of women in there training, a lot of turnover as there is after every Olympic Games. That first year is kind of crazy with all kinds of new players. And now the Grand Prix going on. So you guys have a, a whole full team left behind. What, what have you guys been doing in the gym? What have you been working on? Where's the focus? Uh, focus is on getting better. Uh, we've got 15 girls. I think we're actually up to 16 or 17 now. Faluka and Jordan just came back and joined us. Um, and the focus is getting better, getting ready for North Seca. Um, we're doing work here while the girls are at Grand Prix and doing their work. And, uh, you know, it would be a disservice to everybody if we weren't all working hard at the same time. What have been the differences? You've been through so many coaching staffs now at this point with your time on the national team. What have been the differences you've noticed immediately with the Karch Karai uh, leadership? Karch is just he's ready to take on the world and he walks in the gym and you can feel it. You know what I mean? And so it's nice to come to work for that, that type of person. Um, and I just think, you know, things are, there's a lot of continuity from the last squad. Um, the concepts are the same, but it's a little bit different at the same time. You know, we, we spent a lot of time focusing, for example, on stats um, in the last squad. Here are your stats and here it is for everybody to see. And this year we, we, when we talk about stats, we talk about, Standards. This is our objective as a team. This is all what we want to get to. This is the standard, and we know if we meet the standard that we can win gold. Um, so it's a lot of the same thing, but just with a little different spin on it. Um, we spend a lot, a lot of time working on mindset and the mental side of the game as well. Um, and it's just a really, really positive environment in here where everybody can be vulnerable and work on things and, and be transparent. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a good place to be right now. It's a good place to come to work. I love the summary here on the chat board. It says um, "national team badass." That's that's a summary from one of our uh, one of our listeners on on you. <laughs> hey, how about the uh, the evolution of your position, Nicole? This is a position that was really first in a, a world tournament in 1998, and you came a few years after that. What are you seeing today that's different from when you joined the international game from the libero spot? Man, uh, I just think girls are starting to play the position younger, so they have a, a much greater grasp of the role. You know, when I first became a Libra, it was just a glorified BS position with a, a different colored jersey, and it's so much more than that. You know, we're expected to run things on defense and in passing. We're expected to be leaders. We're, we're one of the few players that are on the court all the time. Um, and so it, it's much greater than that. The Libros taking the second ball. We should be the, sec- the second best setter on the court uh, next to the setter that's starting, you know, so. Lots of things are different, um, but I think the the value of the role has increased um, as as the players have gotten more comfortable in it. Okay, that was my next question. I, the value, I think, internally for a lot of teams has been recognized, but is it starting to get recognized with the professional teams and their willingness to sign foreign liberos? I know I've talked to a lot of folks, Rich Lamborn, uh, and guys that have had some trouble finding jobs. Is that changing at all? Uh, it's not. Uh, and it's just tough because a lot of countries, as you know, have foreigner limits. So if there are two foreigners that can be on a court, obviously they're going to try and sign a big hitter, you know. And uh, if you take Italy, for example, it's a country with tons of little Libros running around. Um, and so they'd rather take a big outside hitter or a great middle blocker like Krista Harmato and then go with what is essentially an average Libro, but it's a, it's a local Libro. Um, and then, again, 
there's always the issue of money. Um, I'm going to cost more than a 21-year-old local Italian Libro, and so that's also the hesitation with a lot of the countries that have, you know, a stricter foreigner limit. Uh, it's, it's not just the value, but it's budgetary. They can pay a, a bigger hitter that's going to score 50 points, for example, that they think is going to get it done for them and win, win matches. Um, more money if they're not paying, you know, yeah. six figures or something for foreign Libro. Yeah, I mean, that said, you've had an opportunity to play overseas. You played in Germany last year in Dresden. How was that? It was awesome. Actually, it was my first time spending any time in Germany. Um, the German league is okay. Uh, I would say it's a, it's a young league, um, but it's ran very professionally. Um, I had a chance to watch Kavika and Scott play up in Berlin a couple of times. They play in an incredible gym, 8,000 people packed every time. Great atmosphere. Um, so it's a, I think, you know, for Germany, it's hard because they can't pay as much as other leagues because their tax laws are so strict and they pay so many taxes. But I think that's a pretty solid league. It's a great learning experience for me. How much did you learn about the history of Dresden? That's one of those places I had an opportunity to visit, and we toured a little bit. And I, as a young man, didn't really have a, a scope of what had happened in World War II. How much did anyone ever bring that up? Uh, how much did you learn about the, the history of that city? Uh, I learned a little bit while I was there. They had a remembrance of the burning down of the city, um, and the city kind of shut down for that, and I was in the square. Um, you know, there were also Nazi protests at one time while I was in Dresden, and so, you know, my German teammates would tell me stories about when they were growing up and the DDR and, uh, you know, uh, what they could and couldn't eat and what they had available to them. You know, I have a teammate that remembers the first time she ate a banana. For me, that's incredible. <laughs> um, so... I learned a little bit. I'm, to be honest, a tourist. Uh, I like to spend more time with locals rather than, you know, doing the history of things. I also, I was in Poland, um, and so I, I feel like I learned quite a bit more in Poland about World War II than I did while I was in Germany. I was also only in Germany for four months, so. Yeah, certainly an experience you can't get out of a book. Now, I have a couple of, of silly questions for you. first one is, why the Wonder Woman bands? The Wonder Woman bands? Um, let's see. They started as uh, just to be trendy. I'm not trendy. I don't know. We were just doing it at, at, at SC. I started wearing it, um, one, on my right arm. Um, and then when I came to the national team, um, I switched over to two, actually, because I have tendonitis in my elbows. <laughs> um, and they, they help keep my elbows warm. And now we do a lot of sprawling. We switched from kind of the dig and roll to the sprawl. And it helps me sprawl like a boy better. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quote we need, Jeremy. That's funny. Hey, give me your uh, give me your best dirty dancing quote. Because I think I my picked... best dirty dancing quote. Oh man, uh, I'm not good at being put on the spot with movies. You know, I don't watch television, right? I don't have cable. Well, I don't know how this ended up in my research. Is it listed as like your best movie or something, or, or your favorite movie in your yeah, FIVB bio? Yeah, it is my bio? favorite movie, but I yeah. haven't watched it in probably ten years. Okay, why don't you watch TV then? That's an interesting question. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Okay. Uh, oh. yeah, I do watch some TV, but uh, like I have an Apple TV hooked up to my television at uh. home instead of cable. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just I'd, I'd rather be spending real time with real people. I guess. Okay. Into that. Apple TV, most useful, apparently useless product ever. I really love it. I have it. I love the thing. <laughs> but when you look at it, go to buy it, you're like, what is this? This is stupid. Why am I paying a hundred bucks for this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we mentioned your your long career here, a couple of silver medals, a bunch of Grand Prix hardware. What's the most memorable moment in your career so far? 
most memorable, memorable mo moment has been uh, both opening ceremonies at the Olympics. Mm. Uh, it's just an incredible experience. It's an all-encompassing moment where, I don't know, things kind of come together and your life flashes before your eyes. The realization that the whole world is watching you. The fact that, you know, we're 500 plus strong in our U.S. delegation, all dressed in the same outfit, chanting USA as we go through the tunnel. It's just, it's, not, it's something I'll never forget. It's a really, really special moment. What was your assessment of the 2012 performance and, and the way that tournament ended up? Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I look back on things, we, we spent a lot of time learning to be a functional organization in the last four years, and we were really good at grinding, and we knew that um, that our breaking point was a lot higher than a lot of teams, and that if we would just grind, that they would eventually break. Um, and... Brazil proved that to be true for the previous six matches that we played uh, against them, including in pool play. Um, but they came out with a little bit something different in, in the gold medal match. And I, I think some of that has to do with they faced some serious adversity, especially in the Russia match um, in the quarters, and they, they overcame that. And we didn't really have to face a lot of adversity in the last year and a half com coming into that. So I think at the end, we we didn't really know how to help each other at, in that moment. Yeah. Um, Karch calls it, Karch calls it, I think, the toughness tank, but we didn't have enough in the tough, toughness tank at that point. I think we were the better team. You know, if I look back at 2008, I think Brazil was the better team, um, and we may have even overachieved at that point. Um, I definitely think we were the better team. Have, had we played them again the next night, we would have won, but in that moment, we just didn't have enough. Yeah, I wonder. I, wa I remember the match and Hugh McCutcheon at some point starting to yell, and it was something that I yeah. hadn't seen. And kind of the looks on on players' faces was not something I had seen from your team at any point in the previous four years. Was there recognition at that point of that things were were different and stuff was kind of falling apart? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt like the wheels were falling off. Hugh, Hugh would yell at us when he needed to yell at us. So, I, I mean, I don't know that anyone was surprised by him yelling mm -hmm. at us. We needed it. <laughs> um, but I think even at that point, it was – I think there wasn't clarity. I, I still don't think we knew how to make the changes. And it felt like we were constantly trying to make changes and adjustments. And when we'd get ahead, you know, and get on a roll a couple points, then they'd go on a roll for three or four points. And it's just we're constantly – Playing catch up. Got a couple of questions here on the chat board. Somebody keeps asking if you're single and available. I'm not sure how we feel about NetLive stalkers, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I am single and available. Oh, all right. Well, that's out there depends now. On, depends on who's asking. <laughs> yeah. Depends on who's asking. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll filter that through to you. We'll, we'll get him to submit some pictures in a bio, and we'll forward those to you covertly, Nicole. <laughs> okay, I appreciate it. Hey, uh, you're just 31 years old. You obviously, at the libero position, have a ways to go in your career, but you, have you put any thought into what you would do after, or what are your interests off the court, other than obviously hanging out with people because you're not in your home <laughs> watching TV? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've put thought into it, um, and I'm, I'm I've been talking to a lot of people. I recently reconnected with the SC Network. Uh, you know, they hosted a, a, a gathering for us in London uh, at the Oxford and Cambridge Club, and that was the first time I've actually reconnected with SC people because it's just such a great network. And um, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, when I was in school, I wanted to go to law school. Now my lawyer friends say don't go to law school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm not really sure. If you, you know, I've, I did a lot of, like, uh, 
networking and schmoozing with the corporate people after London, and everyone asked me what I'm interested in or what I'm passionate about. And I've been playing volleyball for 16 years. Everything's interesting to me. The the person at Starbucks, their job's interesting to me, you know. Um, so I'm not really sure. I have a couple of options. I, I've joked with Mick that if I can take his job over, that I'd, I'd like to do that. But um, I'm not really sure. I'm trying to figure it out. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity when I finish. I'm, I'm thinking about maybe doing an online MBA in the next three years because why not? Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Nicole Davis, future barista at, Love it. at uh, Starbucks. <laughs> Just make sure you wear all your hardware while you're yeah, there. As wear, wear all your medals as you're making people's I lattes. Will. I'll put a tip jar out, too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll do better in the tip jar with those for sure. No doubt. Hey, uh, give us an idea sure. of, of what's upcoming for the USA women's team. We know that the Grand Prix final round is happening right now, but you guys have some other tournaments upcoming, uh, qualifications and other things. What's, uh, what's on the docket for your team? On the docket, we play Brazil, I think, in the next day or two uh, to start the finals for Grand Prix. And uh, it's a five-team round robin, so I expect the girls to do real well. It's a young team, but they're just fighting real hard for each other. Um, that's gotten through, gotten them through some tough matches. So I expect us to be on the medal stands for that tournament. And then uh, we have Marseka uh, in the middle of September, and Nebraska is hosting. So that should be a great opportunity for us to play again um, in the United States because that's a pretty special experience. And then uh, if we win Marseka, then we have Grand Champions Cup in November. But we'll all go off to our professional teams first for the month of October and then meet back up in Japan for that. Okay, very good. Well, Nicole Davis, thanks very much for joining us here on the show. Wish you continued great luck in your career, and uh, we'll see you around the gym. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Nicole Davis checking in after practice down there in Anaheim. Good stuff. You know what I liked at the very end there? She referred to it as us. They all, every time we talk to somebody, that's how they refer to it. She's not on the trip. It's us. Yeah. And that is so accurate, and people forget that. We, we often joke about here uh, about the United States not valuing silver medals. You know, oh, you didn't get the gold? Bummer. <laughs> you know, but even people who... It's, oh, you a, it's still a silver medal. You didn't make the Olympic team? Dude, there's only 12 people that make the Olympic team. I know. If you were in that gym, that's remarkable. And there's all, at max 30 people in there. Maximum. They talk, they talk about it. We bring it up on the show, too. Like, even the guys in the gym, the trainers, like, they're all part of that winning team. 300 million people plus in the United States. 30 people in the gym. Yeah, good luck to you. You're one of the 30. Yep. That's pretty exceptional. For sure. Oh, you didn't make the team, bummer. <laughs> Come on. It's us. I love that. I love the us because people who get left behind as Olympic rosters in particular yeah. get selected, but every roster often don't get the credit that they deserve for what they contribute to the end result of that medal, that championship, whatever it may be. I'm sure there are guys in the gym that didn't make the team that Reed would give credit for helping him win his gold medal in 2008. Yeah. I have no doubt. And when we, and by we I mean the Los Angeles Clippers, win an NBA championship, someone will thank me, and I expect a ring. Okay. Because it's a week, Kevin. We all did it together. I wasn't on the court, but I still did something. Your music matters. For sure. Your music matters. Of course. All right. Well, is that a drink? Do we need since I brought it to basketball. Is that a drink? Too? I'm just, uh, I'm just looking at Sean here, who really wants to. Uh, He's excited. He's a libero. She's a libero. He's excited. He's five six. She's five six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I've been setting up another blind date recently for someone I know, so uh, why not? Blind dates, I, I, it would just, I've never been on one in my life. Thank God I don't need to, ever. But like, I, I, couldn't, I, I, I couldn't do it. There's no way I could do it. Why don't you date the blind, Jeremy? That's not cool. That is messed up, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> that is messed up. And wouldn't me dating a blind person just be a waste? Just look at me. Oh, my God. Joe Cool. You know what I'm saying? Listen, Snoopy. <laughs> so everybody text me so you can call in whenever we're ready. All right. Here, so I don't know if you want to take a break. Let, we'll take a short break. One one note here, so we'll get uh, we'll get Furby on the line. But one note, uh, just found out in this small world that we live in, mm-hmm. it's weird how things happen. I currently serve as the president of the Flying Football League that my kids play in. D-R-I-N-K. I'm about to bring it back. I'm about to bring it back. Uh Bring it back, y'all. Yep. Okay. I serve as a president. Now, I have been on the board. Do you call yourself El Presidente? Uh, El Jefe. El Jefe. El Jefe. (laughs) I've served on the board for a couple of years. I've been in the league for five years. One of the former presidents still on as the registration guy sends me an email yesterday. I just hired somebody you know. I just hired Brian Thornton as an intern. He works at an ad company. Yeah. He works for an ad company. And he says, uh, he said, yeah, I asked, when I asked him if he knew you, he said, yeah, he's no fan of my game. <laughs> so I wrote back and I said, well, I get paid for my opinion. Sometimes people end up on the negative side of that. But Brian's always seemed like a good guy. And he informs me that Brian uh, has retired from volleyball and is now pursuing advertising full time. So. And will never come on the show, apparently. Ah, no. Brian and I, we've never had a cross word, honestly. Uh, I, I do know people listen to what I have to say. And, and I have uh, freely expressed my opinion at times uh, regarding Brian's game. But uh, I wish him the best of luck moving on. It's not an easy thing to do to decide to quit uh, what you've been doing for so many years. And Brian's been through some pretty gnarly family stuff over the last year or so. It seemed like things were kind of going in the right direction, and I hope things continue to go in the right direction for him as he uh, embarks on a new career. Good for him. So best of luck, Brian Thornton, and I'll see you around Manhattan Beach for sure. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to have the Golden God. Matthew, and I don't mean Russell from Stillwater. Matthew Otto Furbringer, <laughs> also known as Fur Biscuit. The golden god, like you said. I typed in Furbs into my phone, and I got Furball. Nice. That's what I, your phone auto-corrected it tried, that? It tried to correct to Furball. Like, I don't know what Furbs is, but obviously you're trying to type Furball. Furball. So we will have Furball Fur- after the break. Not sure that that's what <laughs> <laughs> Right back. Oh, that's awesome.
Welcome back to the Net Live. Had to cheat to get this one in excess, Jeremy. Sorry. Yep, that's okay. I liked in excess back in the day. I had the album that looked like uh, the Run DMC logo kind of thing. Can't remember what it is now. Because you don't see album covers anymore at all. And you know what? As a music fan, like I honestly, looking at it on the iTunes PDF is not the same as me holding it in my hand and flipping through it. Yeah, true. I really like the the scroll function where you can go through the album covers like that. You can flip. Oh yeah, that's cool. I think that's. But I do like. I like reading. I I would read a lot of like the credits on the album, like who are the songwriters, the producers, things like that. You know, I've got out my garage actually is uh, at IKEA. They sell frames that are the size of old records. Yep. So you can use those as art. Yep. So I've got like Asia Fleetwood Mac. Uh, My son picked out a couple of the random ones from my father's collection. So I had my father's collection just sitting in a stack. Nice. And I was like, oh, i got to pull this out. He's got all kind of police and just random stuff. But as art, it's pretty cool art. Because it is a classic, I have the West Side Story original vinyl in one of those frames hanging in my uh, studio slash office. Nice. Yep. Yeah, you got to have a studio environment. I love a studio environment when I'm in one. I, I one day strive to create a creative studio environment for myself for all the graphic art stuff that I do and all the audio and broadcasts that I do, I would love to have a space that's just dedicated to that because when you – and surround yourself with, you know, stuff you've done and and stuff you remember but also – Stuff that's inspiring. Yeah, stuff you admire and and people that that you remember and uh, I'd love to have a a great creative place like that. Speaking of people we admire. Yeah, bring this guy on. It's good music. I know. But it's not a long intro because it would take too long. It would take too long to detail, so we're just going to say he's the national team assistant coach who now has written the greatest story ever, perhaps, in the sport of volleyball, even better than that of Monroe Clark. Make it into a made-for-TV drama. His victory this past weekend at the Manhattan Beach Open, coming out of retirement. Welcome the Golden God. Matt Furbringer. Furbs. Hi. I think I'm the Silver Fox now. I was hearing that. that <laughs> nice. Weekend, so. Nice. I'm sure the Golden God might turn into Silver Fox now. I'll take it. Hey, first question. I'm the name on the tier, I'll take it. No doubt. How was the scrimmage on Saturday night? Oh, I never No, Come on. Unbelievable. You come out and win the tournament. Did you think you were going to go out and win the Manhattan Open? Come on. In your heart of hearts. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, my goal is not to embarrass myself. Uh well. Congratulations. So, yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> so when we uh won those first two tournament uh first two days. No, I, I thought we could do we could do okay. Casey was convinced we could do a little better than I thought we could, but I was like, Casey, you know, I I ha- really have not been training. He was refusing to believe me, um, thinking I'd be in, you know, that I'd be great and we'd play well and we went down and got one practice in a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday, and I actually felt pretty good. So at that point, I said, well, you know, maybe maybe we can do okay. I definitely didn't think we could beat Phil and Rosie or Jake and Casey, the top, you know, top teams. Uh, yeah, Phil and Rosie twice. We could have been. Twice, by the way. Yeah, twice. Yeah. In the same day. Yeah. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think I've ever beaten Phil twice in the tournament. I mean, I, so... Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Hey, people may not know that Aaron Brock is the national team trainer. He also attends the national team staff. How many hours is he having to spend with you today and yesterday? <laughs> well, actually, I uh, yeah, I, I didn't come into the office yesterday, so zero and couldn't and make zero. it. Aaron always tells me, Aaron always tells me, I'll, yeah, I'll work on you, but uh, I'm not really the priority. So, uh, Aaron, has, <clears throat> AB's got zero hours on me, but. Uh, 
we, we, we've got him plenty of athletes here to work on, so he's fine. Hey, doesn't he know who you are now? I mean, come on, you're the national Manhattan Beach <laughs> champion. It's not like you went out and played a weekend tournament and need some attention, or you got on the treadmill and messed yourself up. You won the freaking yeah. Wimbledon. Yeah. You know, here, here, I'm just the assistant coach, Kevin. That's oh, the way it is. Man. Man, oh, man. All right. At, at what point in this tournament, you said coming in, you didn't think there was a chance. We talked to Casey earlier today. Of course, I love Casey's attitude of he thought he, he could win it anyway. Good. I would go in with that attitude. But yeah. what at what point in the tournament were you starting to think, you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> I think after we played Marin Keenan, and I watched some of the games. I watched some other games, and we played Marin Keenan, who are a good team. And just we were really good against them. And we were just better than them. And I was like, well, you know, you, you could say they didn't play great or you could say that we made that happen. And I chose to believe that it was kind of us doing some really good things. And uh, so when I saw that, when I saw us play that way, I said, oh, not that chance. And, and uh, you know, but then once we played Rosie and Phil, like half, like right away, I was like, damn, dude, we all, we're playing at this level. You don't know until measuring stick, right? I mean, yeah. You can look great against a qualifier team and then play a good team, like, whoa, next level. But then once we started matching up, like right off the bat, we got, I think, 6-1 on Rosie and Phil in our first match. I was like, okay, like, people don't want to play us right now. So, so let's, let, let, let's, let's roll with it. Hey, I wonder, being a coach, I mean, after my career doing all the broadcasting, watching so much volleyball and being expected to analyze it, I feel like I understand the game so much more than I ever did as a player. With your time with juniors and in the club and now UCLA and now with the men's national team, have you learned a tremendous amount more about the game, and is that part of what carried you through the weekend? For sure. You know, I... And, and actually coaching, even though you're not playing, you're coaching volleyball still. So you're, you know, you're out there, you know, teaching the skills that you're about to do. And it kind of puts it And it, whenever you're teaching, it also makes you come up with ways that, that you have to teach someone how to hit a ball. And you got to make sure you know how you hit a ball to teach it. So I think it really makes everything, your game crisper and tighter. And, um, and I think I've learned a lot of patience. I think that's one thing that Casey and I did better this weekend than we ever have was we were just patient through mistakes, through errors. And so it not only helped, you know, somewhat of just tightening up the game a little bit, but it really helped me, I feel like, helped us out mentally. But we were just in a good spot because, you know, when you're coaching, you see people freaking out mentally or you see how many games are lost mentally. And uh, so we just took that mindset and going into it that we were going to be really resilient, have a lot of fun, and just lay it all out there. Matt, you talk about the uh... – the patience and some of the frustration. Like I remember in the finals when Casey bumped over on two after a pretty decent rally and all he really had to do was set you and he bumped it over on two. And I, I immediately looked at both of your guys' faces to see how you're going to react to it. And you both like, obviously you're a little frustrated, but you both kind of smiled and looked at each other and like, okay, that just happened. We'll just move on from there. Like, yeah, you ended up losing that game, but went on to win the whole match. What was the mindset after that happened? Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, I went back and we, and we, you know, we talked and I, you know, I gave him a little stern, like, Hey, like, let's not. And, and, and that for me, that was a lack of patience on Casey's part, you know, and he knew it and he apologized for it. And then he, I'm like, time out. And he said, no, we're good. And I'm like, all right. And then I turned and I said, I, I'm not good with it. Like, give me a break. So we call a timeout. And, we, and after that, we, you know, we played well. We just ended up getting beat. But it's a play Casey had done in a big match against Rosie and Gibb twice one time, and neither one went down. And so there was a little history to it. But we, we, but once we got the timeout, we were laughing about it. Yeah. You know, and um, 
And uh, Casey actually said, I don't want this. Let's win this match. I don't want this to be a Chris Webber moment for me. So, you know, I think we right, we right away kind of made, made a little joke of it, diffused it. And uh, it literally, it, it wasn't in my mind, you know, ever again while we were playing the match. I guess had we lost, you look back on it maybe. But, you know, we just kind of, like you said, we just kind of let it go. Hey, is over on one now called the Pavlik? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> the Pavlik. You know, I didn't see the match, but I heard about that. But, you know, you know, Casey's a, you know, great, not only a great player, but a great showman out there. And, you know, he, that's like, you know, shooting that Magic Johnson used to come down and shoot those threes that were, it's like a timeout three, you know? Yeah. And I think he just picking a, you know, he went for a play where if that ball goes down, it's just a huge momentum mm-hmm. changer, big deal. And it just happened to be that, it, you know, it turned out the other way. I think the good thing for us, was that Rosie didn't dig it and put it away. Because if Rosie digs up, it went out. Because if Rosie digs that ball and then slams it down her throat, I think that gives them a lot of momentum. But, uh, you know, ended up just being a ball that went out and, um, you know, we moved on. Yeah, it reminds me of Don Sujo. He would try and dump all the time or turn and hit all the time. And if you do it, it's a great play. Yeah. The moment you hit it in the net, you're like, dude, what are you doing? If it goes down, great. If it yeah. doesn't, I want to kill you. Why are you dumping from eight <laughs> feet off the net? You cannot dump from eight feet, Don. <laughs> Hey, we've we talked a little bit about the weather, and we've had conflicting reports. Jay Roche said he was wearing a parka and a beanie. Dude, it was uh, cold on the stage. It looked good on TV. They reported it was 78 degrees because it's a little bit humid and still warm. But how much was the lack of sunshine and extreme heat, which is definitely possible here in L.A. in August, uh, a benefit to you and the conditioning that, that you had not done? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to, to Geeter today and uh, telling him that that was the MVP of the weekend with the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> For staying away. <laughs> it was re- yeah, staying away. It, it was huge. I mean, the amount of effort that I was able to put on at every point because the sun wasn't beating down on me, um, on my white skin and just not, you know, I'm in air conditioning all the time. It's just, it was really big. I, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe it wasn't as big as I think it was. But all I know is I felt pretty good in that tournament going through the whole thing and, and not having, you know, playing in the heat definitely, um, you know, definitely helped with that. Matt, I, I ran into you Sunday morning before your first match, and I asked you how you were feeling, and you kind of had a surprised look on your face and immediately looked at me and were like, oh, I feel great. Were you concerned that after a full day of siding out on Saturday, you may not be able to get it going again early Sunday morning? I knew pretty well on Saturday when we were done and when I, when I was going down to coach that I was going to be all right. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't get pushed in any of our matches. You know, we won two and then the last game actually got forfeited halfway through the second set. So it was, it was limited and I really didn't put out huge effort. I was, you know, another thing about coming into it was that I, I really, I mean, I, I didn't jump as high as I would on a lot of my blocks and I didn't, didn't jump as high on a lot of my hits. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't jumping as high and it's not maybe as hard. Yep. And uh, it, I think that helped with my endurance as well, you know, whereas if I thought I was in great shape and I could make it through. But I think it also helped my game a little bit. I think my blocking was better because I wasn't, you know, wasn't have my mind frame. I'm getting so big. I was just, you know, getting my focus on getting my hands over and just letting the ball kind of go to Casey. And I think for Casey, it was easy for him to play behind me. So in, in a way, I, I think that really helped out. Why Scotty Lane is your coach? You got some t- good TV time. Uh, what what was it about Scotty that made you guys put him on your bench? Well, you know, we Scotty and uh, Casey grew up in Vegas, and they both came out to go to JC Ball. And so during the summers, I'm from Costa Mesa. We 
uh, I was going to Huntington to play. And all of us ended up waiting tables at the spaghetti factory down in Newport Beach, and they would go play with one volleyball and go down to Huntington around 11 o'clock in the morning and chase one volleyball around. And we'd, you know, pick up Leland Quinn and some other people and Leland play, Quinn. you know, Matt Taylor and play fours. And that was our group. That was our group I came up with. And actually, Casey and Scotty used to play together. That was their old, that was the original Vegas partnership. And they won a bunch of AAAs. And then, um, and then Casey and I started playing together. And so we, you know, we had just done it for so long, and, and we we're just good friends. And um, and on Tuesday or Wednesday, I talked to Casey, and I'm like, let's get Scotty involved. And, you know, I mean, when we came up, they used to call us the trifecta, all the older guys, because we were always hanging out together. And uh, so I just thought it was a really cool way to to kind of bring that all in, have some closure for me, and get to do it with guys that, um, you know, really helped me get to where I was in, in the sport. How was the scrimmage on Saturday night and your other job? I mean, in the middle of all this that was going on with the Manhattan Beach Open, you had to go and, and coach the scrimmage. Give us a little national team update. Yeah, so the scrimmage, uh, I coached a team. I'm like, Wall coached a team. And first set, we lost. I yelled at the guy saying I hadn't lost a set all day. <laughs> now I come down to him lose. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, after that, we won three in a row. So, uh, no, it was, it, it was a good scrimmage. Uh, we have a lot of work to do still. But um, it was great for us just to get some stats from live competition. You guys, you know, a few guys didn't play a lot in World League. Got to get out there with the uniform and a whistle on. And, um, you know, it definitely helped us with planning training for this week and, um, seeing, you know, getting areas of focus for these last three or four weeks before we go to, uh, go to North Vegas. What was the assessment coming out of World League from the coaching staff? How did you guys feel about that tournament? Hmm. <sighs> I think, you was know, that, was that I, the summary? I, the word, I think it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think the word I have is potential. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy with you know potential, and you saw glimpses of it, and so it wasn't always like where it could be. We actually saw glimpses of what, like they were there at certain times, but just inconsistency. Way too many errors serving, um, way too many errors hitting, and just not some smart decisions. But I thought our passing and ball control was pretty good. And, uh, you know, I was, I, there were just moments, but it just wasn't there, you know. And, um, and it's not like it's there right now after three weeks of training. But I, over time, we have great athletes in this gym. The guys are working hard. And uh, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I, I texted John the other day uh, thanking him for allowing me, because it was you know, his choice to allow me to play this weekend. And, um, you know, I was thanking him about that and just, how just letting him know how excited I am for the next four years. Because it's a good group of guys. I think we got talent in the gym. I think John's an amazing coach. And so I'm just excited to see where we can take these guys. Who do you think was the most surprising player, the player who really stepped up in World League? Huh. Well, I, was, I mean, Eric showed you it's pretty impressive at the libero position, you know. Um to be the leading leader in digs and um, Percet and and just pretty consistently making some unbelievable plays, um, covering, keeping balls alive. As a rookie libero first year, he was more vocal than I thought he'd be from practices. So I, I think that was a nice surprise. And people underrate or don't appreciate just how important that libero position is, you know. So And when you got a guy like Rich Lamborn and, and other great liberos in this I feel real 
you know, I feel real solid at a, at a position where, you know, at setting, you have a bunch of younger guys. So, you're gonna have, you know, to have young liberals and young setters can be a tough thing. So it was nice to have, you know, liberals step up like that. All right, Casey said that he had over 120 texts by the time he got back to his phone. You had to have something, some similar story. What was the best reach out that you got from a family or friend after the, the victory? Man, I had 180 because I got to my phone a little later than Casey did. Uh, you know what I was going through on fast? I, I don't know, man. They were all, they were all awesome. Um, you know, every single one. Of, I, I think I replied to all of them, too. I mean, it's just every single one of those texts meant so much. I all that people realize just so Casey and I I, I, I think it's funny because before this weekend I if you would ask, I was like, Yeah, Casey and one of the best teams of our era. But then I'm going through it, I'm like, well, shoot man, we have seven wins and probably one of the most uh, but besides that we don't have Manhattan, we don't have Olympics. I'm like, God, I mean, I think that but maybe it's just not true. And uh, maybe we won't go down like that in uh, in history. And so for us to really come through and close out a deal from start to finish, play so well, get our name on the pier, forever have that. Um, it's just really amazing for me. It's, it's, you know, like you said, I'm just, it, I can't even put in the words how incredible that feeling is for, well, yeah. for us. And even though we weren't training right now, we put a lot of sweat and tears and had a lot of really tough times when we were playing together. So really cool to end it on something like that. Well, your eighth tournament victory is an incredible one. Congratulations on winning the tournament, getting your name on the pier, and writing perhaps the greatest volleyball story ever. Matt Furbringer, everything's going well. Good for you. Thanks for coming on the show today. We know you're busy with uh, that little that little job you have, the assistant coach position. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. All right, guys, I appreciate it. All right, Matt Furbringer, checking out. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Matt. Wow. Tell you what, 180 text messages. So uh, Furbringer wins. There you go. Casey, Matt has more friends. <laughs> I, I was telling, who was I talking to about this? Maybe it was Scotty Lane that Matt and Casey were in like seven finals before they finally broke through. Right. I remember that streak. And I remember watching like number five going, come on, because they had chances. And oh, yeah. Tell they, were chances. Just, they, were, they were thinking about the fact they hadn't won one. And it got to the point where like... A, just regardless of the fact that they're good volleyball players, they're good people. So people like them. Like, they yeah. make friends. Yeah. The AVP staff like them. The AVP crew like them. Everybody. So it got to the point where, like, every time they would be in a finals, regardless of who they were playing, the AVP staff wanted them to win. And not that they, you know, we try not to do favorites or cheer from this from the stage and stuff like that. But, like, because they were such good guys and they just hadn't gotten over that hump yet, and when they finally did win in Belmar, I literally think the entire AVP staff celebrated like they won as well. Yeah. Because I feel like because you yeah. felt it with them every single tournament, and I'll never forget that because as soon as they won, Burby turned around to hug Casey, and Casey was sprinting around the entire stadium. <laughs> and Furby's looking at him like, hey, bro, I'm the one that helped you win. Why don't you come over and give me a hug? <laughs> yeah. How about a hug? Oh, it was great. Good for, I'm, I can't, I mean... It congratulations to them. I mean, it's well deserved. The yeah. fact that amazing it was an old school feel, mm-hmm. not only because it was Manhattan Beach, but you went to no stadium stuff like that. You did neon, all kinds of weird things, and then to have Matt and Casey partner up for a one-off, and then to win it, it, it was a storybook ending for that tournament. Absolutely, no, it was. Uh, 
it, it was amazing. And uh, congratulations to them. This is something that people will be talking about for a long time. It will come up every broadcast from now on when it comes to the Manhattan Beach Open. They'll talk about that time. Of course. That Matt Furbringer came out of his, albeit short retirement, but we're talking about the best players in the world here, and you haven't played in five months. Well, not only that, too, but he, Casey, had brought up Hob, but there was, we had a Legends match, and it was... Uh, I saw the highlight of that on the Hob and Dodd versus Sinjin and, and Fenoy, but they played four, so... Casey Patterson Casey Patterson there. and Jake Gibb were on uh, Sinjin and Fenoy's team, and then Nick Lucena and Tri Bourne were on uh, Hob and Dodd's team. So you had that Nick right... lost. Hobbs and Dodd's team lost. Lost game one, <laughs> and then because it actually went pretty quickly, they were playing rally score to 21, Hobbs like, do we have time to play one more? And we did. And so kudos to the staff for saying, yes, you guys go out there and play another game. <laughs> they went out and played another game, and it was great. And, you know, so those guys were there for Casey and Matt winning. You know, I know Casey and Matt both look up to, you know, obviously Sinjin, Fenoy, Hobbs and Dodd. I remember Casey um, – couldn't get over the hump of beating Fenoy. He hadn't beat Fenoy most of his career until mm-hmm. – uh, I can't remember the first time that he beat him. But it was like four or five years into, you know, Casey's career, Fenoy, you know, tailing off at the end. But, you know, that was a big deal for Casey. And they were actually neighbors for a while, lived close to each other. So, I mean, it was all, it all kind of, you know, the the circle is complete. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, amazing story. I love the Pavlik. Three straight points. Three straight points or three or four points or something over on over on one. Well, it was a dig. I'm going to dig it, and nobody's over, over here. On one. Yeah, and it's, I'm going to score. There was one on purpose, one that could have been on purpose, and one that definitely was like, I'm well, shielding myself with the gator, and it goes I'm down. I'm just defending myself yeah. here, yeah. yeah those, those are the play. best. Yeah, yeah that was uh, quite a sequence, and I think a back-breaking sequence for Fatma Sweat, just the frustration of dealing with that. Well, think about that. You go up, and you absolutely tee off, and you're like, oh, I, that's a point And it's one of those plays sure. that's disrespected, too. People don't like it. Correct. Yeah. And the other person dug you with their eyes closed and trying to protect their face and have no idea where the ball went, and then all of a sudden it lands on your side. It's like getting Munson. You don't want to get Munson. Don't get Pavlik. <laughs> Brooks Sweat, Jennifer Fatma, you got Pavlik. They did. <laughs> uh, I'll be interested to see how they respond in Cincinnati. Fatma yeah. already tweeted, like, she's already – she's – Ready, yeah. like she, yeah, yeah, and good for her. I like like that. the hunger, I like the hunger. I like yep. that. Good for her. I like that. Kingpin, great movie, by the way. For those who didn't get that reference, there, you can skip the middle forty minutes, but the first forty and the last forty are <laughs> hilarious. Just gold, Jerry, gold. <laughs> Bill Murray, Bill Murray is unbelievable. Make sure you don't get Munson. Uh, a couple of questions on the chat board about Clay Stanley being on the bench in Apollo. Yes, he's still working through some physical issues, so you may see him later in the year. Really, the the no. program with Stanley is a four-year program, not this year You don't year need program. him right now anyway. No. And uh, I agree with Matt Fermier. I asked him that question. Kind of, I, I wanted to see what he would say. 100% Eric Shoji showed me something special this year. Cool. He showed me something that, that I haven't seen since Sergio. Sergio is a Brazilian libero who really kind of revolutionized the position Sergio would read plays. He'd be in places and make a play. You're like, why are you even there? What did you see that possessed you to get completely out of position, be like underneath, you shouldn't have been, be right there, yeah. and the ball showed up? Yeah. Eric did that a few times. I think the, the future is bright for that player. And is, that I saw Rich Lamborn this weekend. I introduced myself to him. hadn't met him officially yet. Yeah. Is he playing right now? Is he just kind of – No, he's there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, Rich is 35, 36. We, well, we had an interview with him here on the show. Yeah, I told him he was 42 or still 47 or something. Pretty good shape, in case anybody's wondering. 
Yeah, he could still play fullback in the NFL. He was bummed the sun wasn't out this weekend because his shirt was on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, that's how cold it was on stage. Rich couldn't take his shirt off. Yeah, Rich is in some good shape. He's a he's a man's man there. Yep. But Eric Shoji is really playing well, and I, and I think Rich is the kind of guy who recognizes that and and will help with that. Um, I, I think the future is probably Eric Shoji at that position. Rich has been there for a very very long time. Do you think? Do you think it would still be like Rich would still be in the gym, could still make the team, and could be like a mentor type thing? And obviously, Rich is still. Hey, other teams have taken two defenders. Russia's done it. Italy did it. We've seen the women's team do it for a couple of Olympics in the, in the women's side. It's not a downgrade if Rich is your libero. But let's just throw that out there. Oh, but by no means. Yeah, no, I'm, not I'm not casting dispersions on no. on Rich by any means. I'm just saying I'm excited by the play of this young player. If you had to pick out a young guy who really performed, Eric's the guy. That's nothing on Rich. That's just what Eric's doing. Good. So, good stuff. Uh, speaking of good stuff, you said it was going to be a great show. Uh, I think it was. But credit to us for asking good questions. <laughs> so, not not our fabulous guests. It was no, really, if, if it really went, all of us. If it went bad, and we've had bad guests before, if it went bad, it would have been the fault of uh, Casey Jennings, Matt Furbringer, Nicole Davis, and Brandon Rosenthal. It would have been their fault. But since it went so well, Jeremy, you and I were great. You were awesome. Never mind the great performances by the aforementioned Jennings, Furbringer, Davis, and Rosenthal. They were all fantastic, and we definitely appreciated them coming here on the program we're working on a schedule for next week's program, maybe an evening show. It definitely Tuesday. won't be Monday because that's a holiday. Yeah, we don't work holidays here, folks, and you shouldn't either. You shouldn't be inside listening to this. You should be out getting the last bit of summer, no matter where you are in the U.S. or the world. Um, and let's clarify, I will be working Unless you're in the on atmosphere. Monday because I'll be in Cincinnati for the AVP event. Okay, you shouldn't be working, but you will be. I'm playing music, Kevin. Do you, I, I don't like to use the word work. That's a good point. That's a good point. This isn't really work either. And we hope you've had a good time listening to us, whether you're at work or at home. We'll be back with another episode of The Net Live coming up next week. And we'll continue to try and give you the best people that there, that there are that exist. Oh, now, see, we were hitting a no-hitter, pitching, know, pitching right a no-hitter, and then you we'll work on, walked a guy to first base. We'll work on some guests for next week. You guys work on your tan this week. Enjoy the end of summer. Enjoy your Labor Day. We'll see you again soon. Kevin and Jeremy, out. Volleyball Magazine, the only print publication covering all aspects of the sport you love. VBM has been publishing the latest in volleyball news for over 35 years. With exclusive photo galleries, player interviews, event coverage, product reviews, and volleyball-specific health and fitness advice, Volleyball Magazine is a great resource for players and fans of all levels. Now with an even more robust online presence, check out VolleyballMag.com to subscribe and find exclusive web content and articles. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, Volleyball Mag is the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.